Chords podcast. We are not under 30 feet of snow, thankfully, um, because weathermen don't know how to actually tell the weather. Um, and, and we're not in Buffalo. That's also true. Yeah. I, of course, am Matt. I'm John. I am Steve. And we have a guest this week, a guest we've been looking forward to for a while. Kita has returned. Yay! Hi! Hello! Hello! So before we get into this week's podcast, I just want to give a quick thank you to the crew of the Epic Podcast. Um, by now, if you haven't heard, go back to the episode for last week because we didn't actually have an episode. Instead, we featured the Epic Podcast, which I was on. I got to talk a bit about Crash Chords. I was interviewed for once, which was kind of cool. Although they claim- You weren't in the hot seat. I mean, you were in the hot seat this time. Yeah, you? but although they, uh, Schaefer claimed that I did all the work because they just asked a question and then I rambled, I pulled the Lewis logic, essentially. Yeah, they, they have an interesting interview style. It's mostly them arguing. Well, yeah, it's that's really kind of what they do. Yeah, they and would you be wait the there and wait for the argument to finish, and then you chime in when, the, when, <laughs> when they're done. When they're done. That's um, their charm, really. It, it is, is their charm. It, charm, finger quotes. <laughs> it has a unique, unrefined And he charm. actually does the finger quotes. It matters today. Yeah, you can, you can say, see them now. Oh, anyway. Yeah, but um, <laughs> nothing, just go. So I want to thank them for having me on. It was a blast. If you haven't listened to it, please go back and check it out. Um, I got to chat a bit about my favorite album of last year. They even featured a song from it, one of my favorites. Um, so yeah, so that was awesome. And uh, It's good enough because you get to actually hear about Crash Chords from different sources rather yeah. than us. For instance, we did have the 100th episode special in which we kind of talked about the process and what we do and everything. But this time, it was them asking the questions as opposed to us asking our own questions, which kind of defeats the purpose, but you know. Well, and they were also asking from the perspective of listeners because they all listen they don't listen to every episode right. and they actually had first-hand experience because every been... one of them had been a guest yes and they've kind of seen episode 19 episode 72 episode uh 95 and episode 115 respectively they and there's a double in there that would be nelson they and they think that you're like the rain man of podcasting by the way well Definitely, 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 definitely. So, so yeah, so we have that, and that was that was a blast. Um, I'm hoping to go back. Um, Charles Stunning is already petitioning for me to be the other, other, other host, because Nelson's the host, Schaefer's the other host, and Chuck is the other, other host. Oh, so I'd be the okay. other, 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 yeah, right. other host. I would have filled it in eventually. Yes. <laughs> host, thrice removed, I guess. Yeah. Sorry. No, thrice no, removed. genealogically correct. Yes. yes. <laughs> Indeed. Um. Um, on that note, why don't we get into our album for this week? Um, Kita, of course, brought us the record, so why don't you tell us the record and a little bit about it? So today we're listening to 21's album called Crush, which came out last year in 2014. Um, yeah, last time I came on, I brought a compilation of like old school rock and exotica stuff, and this time I wanted to bring something that I just kind of casually listen to, and I listen to a lot of K-pop in my free time. And um, we had a discussion about J-pop, K-pop to some extent, and you, I, I made you, I made you promise <laughs> to bring some of that on That was time. promised as early as that, your last episode. It was so, right. by the way, uh, since I'm spouting off all the other episodes with guests, well, we'll go with you. Episode 45 is the last time you were on. This would have been somewhere around April 2013, and you brought on Taboo Volume 1, which is a compilation of Exotica. That's so uh, creepy. Yeah, well, <laughs> I just do this thing. <laughs> 
It's not like there's a mic there at all, no. 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 But, um... <laughs> But either way, you mentioned at the time that there was other things that you were interested in, aside from Exotica, which, of course, pertained to your act at the time, but also uh, just K-pop in general. You're, well, you're of the world. You know what's out there. And we don't know this. We don't know what's out there when it comes to Korea. <laughs> it's a very specific, niche thing. So uh, what do you have to lay on us? Yeah. Uh, well, this band, 21, um, speaking of niche, like, in the world of Korean pop music, usually... The popular bands are really like super almost overproduced and very shiny, sparkly, beautiful girls, long, flowy, wavy hair, and like perfect bodies. And then there's 21, who's like the edgy group. So, this is their latest album. It's a little bit hip hop inspired, it's a little bit EDM, a little reggae, but it's all pop. It's fun stuff. Um, and their first song is called Crush. So this yeah, album self-titled, and it's all in caps, so they're very loud and affirmative that this is their album and first Mush. track. And every track, Crush! Yeah, they're all in caps. Come track. back home! <laughs> very passionate about their titles, apparently. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so this is the title track. It starts with a very techno-y kind of pop track. Kind of not surprising for an intro track on what you would expect pop to be, I guess. Well, let's go beyond techno. First of all, the immediate thing that came to mind here was trance, because it's a variety of techno that's focused a lot more on, well, for lack of a better word, and I feel like this is, this is going to be coming up a lot, wub wub. Not particularly in this track as much. It's not as heavy with the deep bass that we associate with a lot of wub wub that delivers us, but it it's made to be danced to. It's made to be steady. It's made to be easy to follow from a rhythmic perspective. It's really just about dancing, period, as far as music use is concerned. And I think I'll kind of leave it at that, and I know you want to say something. Well, that's because <laughs> it, I definitely see that trance uh, slant on it because of the low end versus the high end that they're working with here. There is a big difference between the more percussion-oriented low-end beat work and the high-end, almost tinny work that they're throwing on top of it. Definitely comes across not just as EDM, but as, as real, yeah, trancy. Well, it's also, I mean, for, it's kind of, I, I want to hesitate to use this yet, but actually I think it's most appropriate at the beginning of this album. There's kind of this overt sexuality to this. Like, in a sort of, in a sort of uh, grinding kind of sense, since that's the kind of thing that would probably be done to trance, you get that there, you get that in this. I'm not gonna say this is like their theme necessarily, but as far as the beginning of this album is concerned, it seems to it seems to carry a lot of attitude with it. Well, I think also it's a very in-your-face track. It's a very cocky track, you know. The, the album starts with the this kind of intense kind of in-your-face. They're introducing themselves. If you don't feel that's present in They Love Me Cause I'm Hot, They Love Me Cause I'm Cold, They Love Me Cause I'm Real, They Love Me Cause I'm Kill, I Kill. I Kill. I mean, that's kind of... That says a lot. That says that, that there's not only attitude coming in here, there's there's confidence, cockiness, as you said, and it's just, I don't know. It's all very face together. value. There's nothing, they're not trying to but be... But it's also a little bit of a turnoff at that same, like, you know, when you actually, if you're immersed in that environment, when you're actually analyzing it, it's, 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 it's a different story than if you were actually in the dance floor. Then you can kind of well, turn that off. You're not listening to theme, you're not listening to... to what their message is, let's say, you're just focusing on your own environment and who's around you and, per se, who you might be grinding with at that moment. But when you're actually listening to the words here, I mean, it definitely comes off as a statement. And that could be that could be worrisome to some. But why, is that, this, why is that a turnoff, though? That's, like, badass. It's more of how it develops, because it's because <laughs> I'm hot, because I'm cold, because I'm real, because I kill. And the second we go, like, that far well, but down But I don't the think they mean kill murder. I think they mean kill on the track. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I misinterpreted this whole thing. I don't even think it's killing the track, you know? It's like, I'm killing it. I'm hot. I'm the shit. 
Yeah, no, no, and that actually matches. <laughs> I'll, I'll go further, but yeah, no, continue. no, that matches up to the way the music is being portrayed. Anyway, it, you're talking overt sexuality going on here. You're talking more trance orientation. You're talking wub wubs. I mean, attitude is inherent in these things anyway. To have the lyrics actually match up to that is actually more of a plus than anything else. Sure. My biggest detractor of what's going on here is that aside from being catchy, I'm not really seeing anything different, anything unique when it comes to the music. I saw one that's, thing. That's, that's pushing the envelope. One thing was especially unique, and that was the fact that you get this sort of like Middle Eastern scale kind of thing going on. They throw in these little dissonances here and there, and it's sort of as if, uh, I mean, I, of course I used the term grinding before, but really what's more appropriate, I think, in some areas is kind of sort of a belly dancing appeal. You have this, this Middle Eastern scale in the background that provides a little bit of an exotic element, and it's mm -hmm. not exotic uh, as if, like, well, of course, we're, as an American audience, we're like, oh, well, the exotic element, as we're going to hear from a Korean band, it will be Korean. But instead, there's, there's several places on this album where they really dip toward, like, this Egyptian Middle Eastern feel. And I found that especially within that little, that little background synth work, which seems just so Middle Eastern in construction. I mean, and as far as an intro track goes, I think that being this cocky and up front in an intro track is a way to get an audience engaged, especially when it's a dance track. It's like, okay, I can't help but move my body to this. Let's go for it. You know, let's, I'm along for the ride kind of a thing. Well, it's kind of like a need to, I think, prove itself in the beginning here. Yeah. And perhaps that's where the confidence stems from. Uh, well, you also got to think if, uh, from what I understand, this was their first big hit in the U.S., also this album, right? Yeah. This so, is kind of their, well, they've had singles that have done really well in the States, but this is their first album that's really getting as much attention as it has. And I think that's also part of the cock cockiness. Like, when you're approaching a new market, you could do it sheepishly and kind of indie and shy, or you can be balls to the wall up front and just go for it. And yeah. that's, I think, what why the first track is so intense, too. I'm every girl's hot crush, a rush that makes your heart beat faster. Pretty unies like me, because you become prettier if you like me. <laughs> just, you know, you gotta, you gotta at least open the door to why someone could be a little turned off. Just saying. Just saying. Well, Confidence is a very fine line. That's what we're exploring. Yeah, well, okay, but it's the kind of sexuality that 21 is, like, outside of America. In Korea, they're the second biggest band, girl band, next to Girls' Generation, who's, like, the aforementioned, basically the Spice Girls of Korea, mm. right? Um, 21 is supposed to be, like, what Megan Fox was being pushed as for a while, like, sexy, but completely like knowing that you're sexy and a little bit like badass, offset with all these tattoos, like sure, but a little scary. I mean, I do, <laughs> I do play devil's advocate a little bit here as oh, far yeah. as the beginning of the album is, is concerned. Yeah. But that's just the first impression that's that's thrown at you. Of course, fair. later as this develops, we get some hints that perhaps that confidence is a little bit of a facade, and we yeah. get this in later lyrical work to come. But there's there's no question this is what they're trying to trying to go for as of the first track. So, on that note, let's go to the second, come back home. So this one starts off immediately with a little bit of reggae influence, which I like, mostly just because it was so different from what we had just gotten. It was there in the verses, not so much in the chorus, but the verses themselves well, were just a... ripe with it. Yeah, and and I I like that because I don't know. I mean, I guess I don't. I my only knowledge of K-pop is the the sigh that I have listened to, and his music is mostly very dance, techno, bouncy. There's not a lot of other influences. You well, get sirens. You get a lot of. It's a lot kind of, of almost bells and whistles. Yeah, exactly. You get, you a get lot kind of, of like a, a vibraphone sound in the background during this. Uh, but who knows? It also kind of comes across as like a steel drum, but maybe you just want to hear that because of all the reggae sounds. So, you but know. so I like that this band immediately hit us with another genre that we're all fairly familiar with, at least in the verses. I, I think it was 
it was definitely peppered and it added this bounce to the verse that I like that kind of got me grooving. Which is why I got to talk about the choruses. Because yes. the choruses, frankly, bring it back to that sort of a kind of pop sound that I don't even think hinges on trance as it did, let's say, in the previous track. It's, no. it's, it's more of that implacable generic pop sound that we've heard in just about everything from, let's say, the late 90s to present day. And seems almost like it was without substance. I, I, I found that to be a rather weak climax uh, for this track. Because clearly it was the climax, I mean, this is the chorus, but that we've had many instances where we're not really looking at, at, at to the choruses as our climax. We feel more, let's say, in the verses. We feel more, feel more in the bridges. But for, for this track, it seemed, it seemed like it wanted to highlight that, that chorus portion, and there was nothing to it. There was nothing I could identify that would seem to grab me. Well, I think that was great for the duality of what followed it directly, and that was the real creep wub-wubs. <laughs> the real that's, deep, that's deep the bridge. dark bridge work that comes right after that chorus. I think it, because it's saying pretty much the same thing lyrically, um, I love the contrast that's going on there because this is a song that's very much uh, in, 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 encased in the idea of desire of I want you back, come back to me. It's right there in the title, it's in the lyrics. Everything is saying come back home. But to get that kind of dual personality going on there, because when it does drop down, it goes and the vocals get really scary. It, it, it's a real big tonal and personality shift in the song itself. It, I li- I really do like that contrast. Right. It's 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 a creep vibe going along with the bass and everything else with it, but more so the lyrics than anything else. This is a sort of rap that takes pl- place here, and you get. The only thing left here is your shadow. My longing for you tortures me more than my loneliness. It's dark shit. Sometimes, seems like I can catch the sound of your laughter, but the moments weakly scatter like a sandcastle. Every night I get nightmares. Even in my dreams I call out your name. In a time where everything else changes, the one thing that doesn't change is that I'm your queen, you're my ruler. It's, 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 it takes that moment for this album to finally like find its emotional soul because at least he can get behind this like find something to relate with even if it is in a very abstract dark sense rather than let's say the the trance that everybody knows which you're not going to really you're not going to latch on to lyrics in a trance section but you will especially when the music takes an emotional shift of its own and it did for the first time in my opinion in this bridge it it does a lot to propel this beyond the gen the generic pop idea that may have been forming in the first track because crush seemed safe just at a glance it seemed safe and it did prove it out it did pan out to be more of a safer track this to to really create that that difference in the ideas to create some darkness in the lyrics uh even though you have to look them up because most of them are not in english it, it, it does a lot to really show that there's going to be substance behind what they're saying. And I really, really enjoy that. It's nice to see substance really filtering in very early in this album. It was also nice to see uh, a quality translation because that, that's very easily lost. I mean, obviously the phrase lost in translation, it's because it happens very frequently. You have this, this very emotional, poetic concept that is present in the original language, but then, you know crappy translator steps in. I have it an instance later between two separate translations in which uh, John found and I found, and it seemed like the meaning was totally lost from one to the next. But in, in general, the translation that I found seemed pretty spot on. I was able to hopefully, ideally, again, we're guessing here, get just as much as a Korean audience would. 
Well, also what I really like about this band so far, and I've already noticed, is they seamlessly trans transition between English and Korean. They're not they're not fumbling, or it doesn't sound poor, piss poor in English. What I found with a lot of bands that sing in both languages, the native language is always better. Like for example, I'm a I'm a pretty big Rammstein fan, although I haven't listened to their latest <laughs> stuff. And their songs in German are very intense and very heavy, and it fits the language very well. But when they translate any of their hits into English, it loses that power, because the language is really powerful. And when they sing it all in English, it just kind of falls flat. This, they go back between English and Korean, and it really adds to the song. I don't think it really hurts it at all. Yeah, no, and uh, that's another fine line, because you might think that, well, that would be jarring for an audience to, you know, kind of grapple with the fact that two languages are being spoken at once. Either that, or there seems to be more em emphasis on the fact that the English sections, you know, since they're perhaps are going to reach the broader audience, or perhaps they're they, because they have a, a goal of reaching, let's say, American or British labels, you know, this kind of thing. I this is all just theory here, but it, it seems to be this idea that that's that's going to help them from a marketing perspective, and it may very well would the the way that like modern music labels are constructed. Uh, but you also find this in the case of just countries that have. Uh, you know, anglicized influence. Like, for instance, you find it in a lot of Indian music. You find it in a lot of Indian movies, period. Just because, you know, British presence for like 500 years or so, the words are just in their vernacular. And it may very well be the same for South Korea, because, of course, there's been an American presence there for 50 years. So, again, there's a lot of communication, a lot of discussion, a lot of cultural influence that just passes easily between the two. So that probably is why it seems a little bit more natural than perhaps the, what you found in Ramstein, it, which seems almost random. <laughs> Rams, yeah, Ramstein's English music is kind of really weird. You can't um, really pin why they chose to just go with that. Well, you know, because they they were trying to ride Manson's coattails a little bit in the <laughs> States. That's that's my interpretation of what happened. Not there. bad theory. Um, yeah, it's a thing that happens a lot in... Japanese and Korean pop music, just like little bits of English sprinkled in. Um, I think that right now what's happening in K-pop is that a lot of the bigger bands, and especially bands on YG, which is the label that 21 is on, have speakers, like fluid English speakers, and it just makes it really easy to pepper in the English. But even artists who don't speak English as natively will still try to put some into their lyrics and sometimes to interesting effect, but here it really works because CL's English is, you know, she speaks it fluently Solid. and you, you Minzy's said, is really good. Did You mentioned uh, that she had spent some time in New Zealand, right? Yeah, I think she grew up in New Zealand, but she's American because she sounds American. I'm not entirely sure what her deal is ethnically. I know that she. Well, I've also found that it speaker. seems like it's very, very easy for many different nationalities to just put on the American accent. Like for instance, whenever Americans try to put on the British accent, it usually fails. And yeah. It fails miserably, but I, you know, for the most part, it's pretty easy to do American. Maybe it's just I don't know. Trying don't to sound know. really lazy. This is sort of a tangent, but I mean, Sarah, my fiance, works as an actress, and she also does. She teaches vocal training, and, and, and um, she's helping people from overseas work on a better English accent. She says a ton of English accents on British TV are atrocious, like they sound terrible. And her goal is to eventually someday get paid by the BBC to go to Britain and teach them a better English accent. Interesting. Uh, or American accent, rather. Um, so it, it, it can go either way. I mean, it depends on where the native shooting is being done, too, for, for TV and movies. But yeah. well, it's only my experience. I right, tend right. to not notice it when it's like, oh, he's British. How about, how about that? <laughs> um, I think this is a good point to go on to the next track since we've been on a tangent for long enough. <laughs> so track three has got to be you. And we get our first kind of slow groove bump and grind track. 
<laughs> now we throw in the bump and grind. Well, this is because this track is it's a lot more it's it's a lot more hip hop influenced. Yes. I mean, you get that deep bass in the background, like it's just barely audible. It's at this low decibel level that if it were any lower, it would be beyond you know human comprehension. Uh, and it, it this is I think the signature Wub Wub track, at least as far as uh, as far as this album's introduction is concerned. I mean. And it does seem that there's a lot of influence here from, let's say, American hip-hop. I mean, you hear this this style just all over within the past 15 years, when uh, since the birth of Wub Wub, and it's just spread everywhere. I There's almost no cultural placement of it at this point. Yeah. So, you know. Well, it, it does prevent, um, while familiar, uh, still a very intriguing difference between the higher hip-hop speed, the, the, the way the vocals are going to be start coming out now, and the deeper EDM that's being go- that's going on here, especially when they start just like ignoring one and going back to the other and going back and forth, back and forth. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm really starting to enjoy the layering that they're putting in their songs. That's one thing I gotta, I, I really have to point out because since we're not dealing with a band in this sense, I like how the mixing is building up. Uh, whoever's doing the mixing here is doing an excellent job. Well, there's great production work on this record. There's been since the first track, but it's really noticeable here. Well, it's funny you mention that, because when you're talking about... I mean, all right, if you're just talking about track layering, sure. But if you're talking about sexual, um, uh, sectional implementation, I mean, there's kind of a big break here when you go, let's say, from the verses that we've been describing into the pre-chorus. A very, I found it initially to be sort of a harsh transition, but all things considered, it was pretty unique. First of all, everything sort of opens up. It, it's sort of indicative of that anime theme where you're, let's, there's, the background is going, you're like flying through the clouds. But then the melody <laughs> steps in here and it starts to double with the snare drum to like form this this sort of quirky military pattern, mostly in triplets. This is like over and over and over again. And that's the way the vocals like link up with the snare. And it just seems so out of nowhere, but I... I I don't think it fit, but I kind of loved it. I kind of loved it much more than I perhaps, well, than I ever probably would have loved the Wub Wub section because, again, that's just everywhere. It's ubiquitous. I could find that anywhere. Why would I go to 21 for that? Right, but specifically. This anyway. is when it's an interesting twist. I think it fits. I won't, I won't say that it really seems to be as separate as you, you may feel it is. It's, it doesn't come off really as tacked on or anything like that. Yeah, it turns on a, on a dime, but... When it goes into it, it's it does feel natural in retrospect. Well, it's it's not as first, but when you get into it and when you're going into it and when it when it goes back into the original section and revisits it, it does not feel tacked on at that point. You're saying it feels, it feels natural feels, in retrospect. Yes. Well, all right, that's a fair point. Well, and it's also it gives this energizing feeling to the track that I really like. I mean, besides just being a plain bump grind track, I mean it's danceable and it really gets you moving and it's you know it it's it engrosses you more than I think the for the first two tracks did. It's not a hundred percent danceable, and that's where mm. I'm saying the transition makes it hard to dance to because it's the beat changes, the rhythm changes enough so that yeah, you're still keeping within the same sort of time signature, but it's not going to be the same movements as a dancer. This is a really hard track to dance to unless you know the song. Unless you know the, the sectional yeah, unless, yeah, yeah, unless you know exactly where it's going. Well, I would imagine in, like, for example, a burlesque act, you would be able to kind of time the changes and maybe put a choreography that would work. After the first chorus. Yeah. yeah. Right. But, <laughs> but, but see, that's the idea. That's why it there. separates from yeah. trance. Is yeah. Because trance would not throw anyone for a loop. You shouldn't yeah. have to be a dancer in order to, like, work out a choreography. For that's trance, it. it should be for everyone. Yeah. 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 But this isn't trance. It's pop. 
it's pop that but yet the chorus is the chorus like oh, yeah, no, we go from the verse to the pre-chorus and now once we're at the chorus here that whole uh even your love destroys me and hurts me you're the only one for me my love starts and ends with you waiting for you in the spot the, 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 the <laughs> despair in the lyrics there and then when you there's look at, a lot of despair in a lot of the lyrics and it's i mean it's really building as the album progresses but yeah. then if you just look at the, the music there it just shifted right back to this you know trance that everybody knows and loves and it doesn't even have the wub wub that the earlier section did no it's just kind of trance so yeah you, you, this is where i'm kind of like what is 21 at this point who are they what 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 do they do I, I, what is their expertise maybe they just like that, experimenting exactly <laughs> that's who 21 that's, is that's, it's just like what is this what do you want from me because they're <laughs> i feel like even from come back home they're just throwing a lot of different things in and it's like it's like it's like, like, don't, like Soup. I feel like you guys called Black Messiah um, jambalaya <laughs> or like a soup last time. Like yeah, so, yeah, it, that was thrown word around some yeah. Yeah. one of us. I think. But. I mean, if if Black Messiah is soup, this is dokboki. It's like like a Korean soup. But in that <laughs> case, like I want a real gumbo. Like yeah. a gumbo you link specifically to Louisiana, and that was born there. And okay. it doesn't matter where anybody else tries a gumbo, they're gonna think Louisiana. Mm -hmm. They're gonna think New Orleans. But when you look at this section here. I mean, the, one of the things they threw in in, in this particular uh, chorus here was that thing that we all know and love from, from well, trance in general or from, from anything in that brand would be that those editing halts where you get that ah 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 and it's just, yeah. like, I've heard that so much. I've heard that too much, and I I, I don't no, know. I haven't I'm, heard that too much. I I like that. <laughs> stuff. I, I, I still to this day really? will enjoy that. Really? That that's 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 well, fresh for you? <laughs> no, not fresh, <laughs> but the familiarity. Fresh, it's fun. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's well. familiar. It's enjoyable. You can get right <laughs> we behind have a it. We're not. We're, we're, we're not all cranky old men who hate new things. I don't it's know. Like 15 years, it's, it's, not like, it's like 15 years. It's like, yeah. I know. I just wanted Things to get him upset. That, you know. I just wanted him to get upset, and it yeah. really worked. So, you know. There, yeah. you, there you go. Oh, well. No, that, that <laughs> is. easy. I'll go on a rant any day. <laughs> it's, it's, it's okay. Yeah, it's a ploy to some extent. It's something that you just come to expect. But the familiarity of it is, is in the same sort of line of what you'd expect from, like, your general rock, from your general punk. I mean, it's something that goes in there that will do the same things it's always done. I'll give it one piece of credit as far as uh, originality is concerned, is that I kind of like the bass work in the background, as if you could call it bass work, because it's kind of just like steadily gurgling along this single note. But it kind of provided like a roll in the background throughout yeah. this section. And I don't know, it was something that, that Would you say to me. it was rolling in the deep? <laughs> It got key to the laugh. That's all no. I was going for. And John actually laughed too. He's regretting I, laughing. I wish I could edit this and go back and no. then say that and see if you'd have the same reaction as I did. Probably. <laughs> Probably. All right. Oh my goodness. Um, oh, you know, just the last thing I want to say about Gotta Be You, because go I feel like we haven't really been talking about the vocals at all in this Okay, album. yeah. No, that's, no, you're right. You're right. 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 Park Bomb's chorus there, where she's talking about that, that longing and despairing love, is sung in such a beautiful and soulful way that, it, like, you really don't even have to understand what she's saying because you know that she's. You can, well, if you, know, she's if you don't yeah. understand what she's saying, you can still get the the evocative feel because you're yeah. not going to understand unless you know Korean. Yeah. A lot of the it's yes, primarily not English, so it's hard to understand some of the theme work. But well, again, it that goes really back to does the... do a good job of marrying. Uh, a lot of what's being said to the actual just inflection. And inflection becomes a major part of this album. I feel like it hasn't been the forefront yet, but here's where it's starting to go, and it does get better as we go along. But I really do enjoy all the vocals that are going on here. I, I feel like they're sort of building upon them 
as we get from track to track to track to track. Well, apart from just the vocal quality itself, I mean, you were mentioning how, well, you know, perhaps the Korean is going to hurt you getting into this, but that goes kind of back to our previous point, and I think why we had our whole rant on it, is that those those sections in which they do shift to English, I think are very aptly chosen, because it makes it so that even if you do it's need emphasis. lyrics, it, it's emphasis, and in many ways it's also like a summary in a sense. Yeah. It kind of defines like the feel of, of the track and the feel of, of, the, uh, of the pure audio emotionality. You get that in, in this case with the repeat of it ain't over till it's over. And Again, that does that a lot of, to... Like, that kind of holding out for something. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's really all you need to start forming an idea of what the song actually means. And that yep. is, like you said, uh, appropriately chosen, masterfully chosen, because you get the feel of the idea of what the song means, yeah. like, right away. And that's not, like, Done. to take away from the fact that I think the, the vocals do it alone, but it's just, yeah. you know, it adds that next level, just that close level of accessibility that uh, that is, it's appreciated. Well, also, Sometimes if you have an inkling... might argue it's required, but others might not. If you have an inkling of the emotionality, and then they pepper in some English words that you can follow, then you really get a strong sense of it. So whereas you might just be kind of, sort of, have an idea that those peppered English words really give you an impression of it. I think that also the vocals really get even more highlighted in the next couple of tracks. Track four, um, If I Were You, we've got this kind of smooth, sweet crooning kind of singing that's very reminiscent of 70s R&B. It is, but even in the beginning, actually that took, a, that took a minute to really like settle in. In the very beginning, uh, the first thing I just noted, well, it's it's a 6-8 ballad. You know, yeah. you get the... You get the the kind of like smoothness that you always get with of anything that's in like six eight. So it's just you know one two three four five six. You can get into this at any point, but it's 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 sweet, but it's also had this like solemn edge to it. Um, with the drum step in there, and they start just like strolling along, kind of bouncing off the hi hats, you know, this like over and over again, and then the piano steps in there. These very gradual touches, and it starts gliding along with just like the melody, kind of staying strictly on the eighths, and then. The chorus really opens this up for the first time, I think, into the, the lot more 70s-rooted, like, Carol King-esque, I would say, uh, vocal work. And then that's accompanied uh, in a big way with the, the little strings that you get in the background. Just these, these little spurts of color with these screeching violins that step in in various moments that I thought was absolutely beautiful. Again, we're still in the territory of what is 21 and what are what defines them, but uh, this was the first time where I found something... I found a tasteful reference to an existing, an existing style. Because from everything we've had up to this point, I, I still think it was more like shooting in the dark. Like, well, we'll try a little bit of this, we'll try a little bit of that, but is there rhyme, is there reason? It seemed like this really, really fit the tone, and it fit, their, it fit the emotions that they wanted to get out via the vocal, uh, via the lyrics. Well, this is one where the lyrics are almost exclusively in Korean, uh, so it's going to be hard to figure out what it says, but mm. immediately... Love and longing is what this this song just says, what screams. And this is another song that, honestly, I, I remember looking at it and going, well, there's no English translation for the actual title in this case. So this one was going into it blind. The hip-hop's gone. The rapping is gone. That's That threw me for a little bit of a loop. Well, the, throws the it back speed. to its core. The 70s R&B is where it was born from. This is just, like you said, the crooning, the way... Everything is starting to culminate here. I just wanted to know what she was saying, but didn't need it. There was just so much desire being built into there, but not the sort of desire where I have you and I want you. That kind of desire can come off a little, like, raunchy, a little trashy. This was, this was loss, and that little bit of loss in there 
Loved it. Loved everything that was going on here. This, I think, may be the best vocals on the entire album. Well, remember how I said there was a little bit of a sweeter air, perhaps just because, you know, I referred to it as a ballad, and we tend to kind of all gravitate to ballads, perhaps mm-hmm. just if we feel an emotional attachment to them. Uh, that's the only reason we say sweet, but there's always that solemn edge to it. In this case, that's uh, presenting the lyrics. If you look at just the very beginning, another day passes by like this. My whole day was spent for you. I wore the clothes that you like best. I should look beautiful in the mirror, but I just look miserable. The tactless night sky is so beautiful. I mean, (laughs) one would not expect this, considering the music that had led up to this point. All of a sudden, they're they're going into some pretty deeper territory concerned with, with vanity, concerned with an excessiveness of vanity, and then flat out, uh, simply being insecure about it in the first place. I mean, it fit. It really, really fit. So for the first time, I'm actually like relating 100% to their, to where they're coming from. But I, you know, this is the question of where were they coming from, <laughs> and this is going to be reflected in the overall arc of this album. But I kind of just wanted to sit here for a while, and we. I, that's why I think the best part of this album really is the entire middle section of it, is because once they settle on this and the next track, and we get to it, is really born right out of this idea, almost, almost beautifully. It's not. It's not. You know, poking around in the dark. It. It is 100% this style, and it seemed almost like that's that's a direction that this album could have taken, which could have binded it together better. I think that it's interesting that we were talking about, A, the cockiness of their lyrics, and also, like, where are they going? Is it going to be them being cocky and then falling into this really insecure space? Because Crush and If I Were You were both written by the same person, and that's the leader of the group, CL, who's their rapper, and interestingly, there's no rap in this. Mm. Well, it, I I don't know where she's drawing it from, but just the way she ends this song. Yeah. Uh, the outro is uh, really bittersweet when it comes to the music, but the lines, I wish you could be me, I wish I could be you, I wish you could feel it for just a day so I can let you go without regrets. That's That's gorgeous. Don't matter the language. Yeah. That's gorgeous. That's poetry. It's a kind of, I mean, it's a kind of universal theme. I yeah. mean, don't get me wrong. It's not like they're tapping into some, like, like, like ex- extraordinary uh, aspect of the human spirit here, but... but <laughs> It's relatable. It doesn't have yeah. to be extraordinary. I, that's all that this style of music was used for back in the 70s, and that's why I think it still rings in many cases. And I think emotionally, I mean, just by the music and the, the vocal style, regardless of whether you can understand the words or not, it gives this kind of noir feel, which I think is why you it's both smooth and sweet, yet still there's this solemnness, which most of those noir movies had, you know, there was always heartbreak, there was always two people who couldn't be together no matter what they tried, and this conveys that kind of feeling, and I think it it was a really great place for the album to go, considering lyrically where it was building in this kind of arc that it was sort of heading in. There's another, uh, I think, noirish element, and I'm glad you mentioned mentioned that, is um sort of the cuts here like you might imagine in 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 a noir film you'd get these these very harsh cuts let's say from one scene to another you know you get you get you go directly from let's say the action to the reaction yeah and the reaction is instantaneous you know you see see the woman there just like aghast yeah exactly and you get that kind of following the chorus here the chorus ends very very abruptly cut immediately back to the verse that seems like a minor point of reference just talk about like oscillating between verses and choruses but it was a pretty strong reaction considering the heights that were reached with those string swells here yeah. i thought that was absolutely beautiful and then all of a sudden when you take this string swell out from the highest point when it's in in midst vibrato that's chilling it's, it's a chilling uh a chilling little tactic i think for this album and then john going back to what you said earlier at the end here 
the duet at the end yes. got very, very beautiful. Just the, the, the two voices linking up. It seemed like the instruments were sort of fading out into the distance and all that was left were the two voices. And it was almost devolving to an acapella thing. Like yeah. there was the two, the two souls left in the universe, which, you know, perhaps uh, uh, glorifies this a little much. But I'm glad that at least I was given these impressions yeah. by this point in the album. It's it's definitely very strong, and it and it goes very well into the next track. They're very very connected. Which at this point we hadn't really had a strong connection between songs. We'd had some, but these two songs are are back to back, very connected. Um, track five is "Good to You," which is more of an elaboration on what we'd got previously. This has more of a '90s kind of groovy, still R&B feel, but it's less romantic and more sultry and sexy. It, it goes further. It's, um, I think uh, Kita had said when we were listening, you, in the first track you're at the bar and this is after the bar. That was, that was a pretty good way to put it and I think I found that mostly in, in the piano. Sort of yeah. as, as, if, as if earlier in that bar atmosphere, well the piano is a little bit more showy. It needs to present so it's going to be brighter but at the same time there's going to be other instruments present. There's going to be a larger ensemble. So I also felt that in the previous track the piano was bright and kind of benign. Here, it seemed like the piano was fuller. It had a lot more warmth. It had taken center stage as if the other instrumentalists had just drifted away into the distance, and now all of a sudden the spotlight is on the piano. So just, just that, that audible effect of it being so much fuller and warmer, that was absolutely great. And the chords themselves even seem a little bit denser in this track. Well, it's sort of uh, removing itself from the almost powerlessness of the previous track and gaining some more control back into it by flushing things out a little bit more. Also by introducing the heavier beat work that's going on in here as compared to the previous track. There's a, a little bit of that attitude's coming back in here, but it's not the self-righteous kind of attitude. It's just more confidence now. Mm. And that solemnness, though, is still there, it, it, but it's in a different way. Like, it was, it's not so much solemn as it is more kind of quiet and kind of subdued sexiness you know it's not it, it's more confident but it's not flaunting it's it's a little subdued kind of very you know smooth kind of a thing well, well that's that r&b influence yeah. back in back in the music sure and also the melodies here now this is an interesting thing because it seemed like uh the melodies were a little bit more rigid just like in the verse sections remember how i said they were kind of like tied in with that six eight feel just stepping in with the eighth notes well, Mostly that's where it was at. Here, it seemed like they were freer, like they could explore a little bit more. Like when you sort of take away those other elements, it, it's in it's in a, a freer zone to just experiment within itself. It seems like it had more of a, a, a free-form style, like the kind that you'd find, like let's say, in R&B, hip-hop, the kind of stuff that you'd get like from Beyonce, where there's so much just just experimentation in the midst of, let's say, a single note. You know, she'll go off on a solo just to do one syllable of one word. It's the kind of thing I was getting here a little bit. I also, I think, could do that because it, this was a lot, a little bit of a slower track. You know, granted, the 6-8 is still sort of a slow ballad in the previous, but here, we stepped that down even a little bit. It just, it felt slower overall because we've, we've mellowed out, essentially. I think that this track really does a great job of conveying what the previous track started. That's why I think they link so well together. But now we have to talk about another section here, and that's that, that sort of offbeat section that we get because of course they're they are still playing with our consciousness a little bit we get this point here where it was i believe it was the it wasn't a pre-chord no this was the chorus and it steps in where these vocals take away these background vocalists take away from the primary singer the primary singer slips off into the distance and instead we get these background vocalists stepping up 
and they sing sort of offbeat. I, I, it's, 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 it's hard to describe except for the fact that they're singing always on the end. So this is in 4-4, it's always on the one end, the two end, the three end, the four end. But I think that was the most engaging thing about this because it, it made them seem like an independent voice unto themselves. So that you kind of get the traditional choir, where like in a Motown atmosphere, you'd have the vocalist in the background step forward and kind of reflect the emotions of the vocalist who was just in the spotlight. She drifts, they take over. It's more of a traditional style, and I think it, again, really perpetuated the vibe they had already started to set up in the previous track here. Well, it shows they know this. It shows they're not just dabbling, and I think that's what was most fascinating here between the last track into this track is they clearly had a history with this genre before. Either that or just very intuitive. It's, it's, it shows that while they're still perpetuating that kind of lonely idea we have in the previous track, uh, that attitude is both back. And it's it comes across a little bit sultry, a little bit sexy, yeah. um, but not overt or lustful or anything like that, just confidently. And I like it. It's sort of a rebuilding of the character we've been going through here. It, it's sort of a... If, if the first part, if Crush and Come Back Home was very much a almost egotistical rendition of this character, this is a much more grounded and a much more realistic person being built here. Mm-hmm. I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying that I'm getting a lot of this without, just by looking at the music, just by looking at the vocals, without so any, the vocals, without any also... story work to really just latch onto unless I'm reading it. Sure, but also the lyrics. I mean, you had mentioned this point earlier about how, you know, the lyrics are, are really, I think, thickening up to offer... Um, to offer something in just the form in which they sing. And this is the thing, as we were talking about lost in, being lost in translation, this is the thing that is most easy to miss out on when you're looking at uh, things sung in other languages. So when you get the exact same section I was talking about, the chorus here, the lyrics themselves step forward to say, good girls like bad boys, why? Bad boys like bad girls, why? And again, I described how the vocalist stepped forward, it's very close, it's very crisp, but this whole section is defined by the way, they just step forward to say why. Do you remember what that word was? Because I think you, you, oui. you knew it. Way? Way. That's simple <laughs> enough, right? Almost sounds like that in English. And it, it, yeah. it, it comes across the same exact way. Now, this was the in- instance. As John was saying earlier, uh, actually, as I said, there were two different translations that we had found. Now, John had found a translation which is more of a why, classic way of phrasing said, the question. Why do good girls like bad boys? That's right. And... There's nothing wrong with that. It's nothing, it, it still phrases the question, but there's something, there's something a lot more reflective, I think, in taking the pause, as they did, to say, girls, good girls like bad go- <laughs> good girls, <laughs> almost a tongue twister, good girls like bad boys, why? It adds more drama to it. It adds more it drama, way. as if you're just, you're, you're, you're baffled. You're baffled, in yeah. other words. It, it's a situation that you're placed in, you don't know how to respond to it, you want to make sense of this, but you can't make sense of this. Sometimes, there's just no reasons. There's no rhyme or reason to life. This is just a fact of life. I think and you have to accept that. In too. a lot of ways, too, the way that it's phrased, and the way that Dara in particular, because she always sounds so vulnerable, because she has such a like sweet little voice, mm-hmm. um, the the way that she's saying that sounds to me like she's trying to consider who she wants to be. Do I want to be the good girl that likes bad boys or do I want to be the bad girl that bad boys like? Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's so why I think what, what, the, what the chorus here absolutely reflects. I mean, there's something in about like having the traditional, like, you know, you picture like a, que- a Greek choir, for instance, stepping forward to, again, reflect the emotions of, of, your, uh, of your appropriate character. But then they, they can only capture it in so much as... 
as that single word, why? And that's that's the, the state she's in. Well, who am I supposed to be right now? Should I be this person? Should I be that person? You know, in the hierarchy of who likes who, that can be a really, really confusing place to be. And, you know, 70s ballad, it just, it's a perfect place for this to go. I, I, can't, I can't gush about this anymore. <laughs> the, the English lyrics are really interesting compared to what the Korean lyrics are. Like, the, yeah. the little English bit, because I was good well, to you. Because I was too good to you. Maybe yeah. I was too good for you. Yeah. yeah exactly. I mean, it's just... It, it she poses good questions and it's it, it questions the idea of the relationship that was going on there while trying to find an answer doesn't quite find the answer and this is why I kind of like the story that's being built into the next track track six so this is MTBD which stands for what mental breakdown oh. all right or and the CL solo, by the way. CL <laughs> solo, and kind of in my opinion, the standout track on the album. This is yeah, yeah. I I don't know if it's my one. favorite, but it is one of the. In in my opinion, it's probably the most interesting track on the album. Uh, just the way it's it's built, it's a combination of hip hop and uh, EDM again, but it feels a lot more flushed out than what we had earlier. Well, Kitty, you had said this is supposed to be technically a sample of what one of the members of the band's solo work is supposed to sound Yeah, like. so CL's the leader of the band, and she does a lot of the lyric writing and the composing for their music, um, especially on this album. It's really cool. She wrote five songs and composed three of them. Oh, wow. Um, which is really interesting. Um, and she's done a little bit of solo work already in Korea. She's done some work here. She's worked with Will I Am. She's got a song out with Diplo, and I always say this guy's name wrong. Skillerex. Skrillex. Oh, Skrillex. Skrillex. Skillerex. <laughs> that guy. Skrillex. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And Diplo and the other guy with the hair. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. The guy with the hair. Um, yeah, and so her solo work is all kind of along these lines where it's really, like, heavy, like, bass-driven EDM hip-hop, just, like, urban what they would call it. <laughs> Finger <laughs> quotes, urban. urban. <laughs> really? That's the, that's the, the overlying term? The umbrella term for all? Well, I think that that might be kind of the overarching, like, what they're aiming for genre-wise with 21. Actually, that's a pretty... Uh, considering how, you know, we come into this this album saying, like, we just can't place it. It's just everywhere. Just, well, it is all in urban. Urban. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. That works. <laughs> we'll go with that. Um, but this term is any? This one was the source of a little bit of controversy because when it first came out... It, I guess, incorporated bits of the Quran being sung along with the background. Um, those elements are still really heavily there, kind of the, the Middle Eastern and Indian pieces. Just like I noted back in, uh, I think that was the second track on this album, we yeah. get that here too. And in this case, it occurs in the chorus with this, uh, this sort of distant vocalization effect. I mm -hmm. mean, Dell it was actually someone singing at, at, at some point, you know, behind all the filters. But... It, it kind of sounds like the, the sort of singing you'd hear from a mosque. Yeah. Right? It, it's very free form. At the same time, it's definitely steeped in that Middle Eastern scale there. A lot of very bellowing upwards and kind of like, you know, working its way back down. But then behind all the filters, it's, it's a little bit more interesting because it comes across first as being very, very high, almost like a child. You know, and then, all right, it's a little bit lower, but it's still treble. And then all of a sudden, we've kind of wub-wubbed that vocal effect. We've going all the way from there down to the and it's the same exact melody but now it's it's in the bass instead of the treble so it's it's an oddball effect it was the in, in my opinion it was one of the 
few things in this track that I actually really, really liked. I don't know why, but for some reason, there was something... I wasn't able to find all the unique things that you were able to find here. It was... It was... It was EDM, all the things you mentioned. I feel like we got that before in this album. The only thing I really could identify is that it's steeped in definitely more attitude here. Like, out from that sad, emotional, ballad environment, now all of a sudden there seemed to be this need, uh, from a thematic standpoint, to reinforce um, to reinforce oneself. But, but, but it's it's not as cliché as that. far as the, as the beginning of the album seemed to be. I mean, this... this build up to this song feels like well okay the attitude is more deserved in this point sure. the the deep end the deep end is something that you really feel like in the hollow of your throat you feel it down there and when you're listening to it on heavy bass you're going to feel it there it gets pretty pretty low but it's it's great to have that deep end there and it's something that i just was able to easily groove along to easily enjoy the boom, boom, boom that's going it on. It was something I felt I had earlier in this album, but I'll admit that seem, things seem to jive a little bit better here at this point. I still didn't think it was, as, as a stylistic choice, I didn't think this was the strongest por- portion of this album or style that they were dipping into, but it was definitely more polished as of this point, and it had, as of this point, and it had more, more placement, I think, considering, uh, considering the arc here. Another interesting thing is, of course... As I said, we're going into more attitude. There's longer verses here. They come across, again, how I said, I, it's it's sort of uh, steeped in, in self-assurance, self-reassurance. These these verses really kind of ramble on, and some of it is gibberish, which I found kind of interesting here. We start off, uh, I'll get read the second stanza here. Abracadabra, this is a lullaby that wakes up your soul. Go up high and look down on yourself. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Karma, karma, karma is looking for you. What you gonna do when they come for you? Karma, karma, karma is gonna find you. What you gonna do? Let me just read another stanza. <laughs> Bippity boppity boo, hakuna matata. Follow along your unconscious mind. Look at this spinning earth. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. <laughs> what are you gonna do when they come for you? Karma, karma, karma is gonna find you. What are you gonna do? This is the thing they go back to. This is the chorus, as it were. It's an... It, 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 what? <laughs> what? You want to make something of this? Again, I only can go back to self-reassurance. Karma is going to find you... It, it's, it's kind of putting the other person under the bus. That's well, what I gauge from this most. Wait, 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 wait. Mental breakdown. Mental breakdown. There you right. go. Right. I mean, self-reassurance is definitely present within mental breakdown. Well, and also nonsense is. is nonsense is present in a mental breakdown. Sure. And also the abracadabras and bippity boppity boos and the Indian influence I like the, music of in the background. You know. Bippity boppity. I, <laughs> I think absolutely thematically we're back at Crush and Come Back Home only... And maybe we even have a, a little better, bit gotta be. It's but more it's amplified. More interesting. It's, it's, it's a better framework amplified. for what we're dealing with yeah. here. I think that's really what it boils down to. I think it, even if the crush and this was flipped, I don't know. Maybe we would have seen the same sort of build up to crush in this position. Maybe, but it just works here in so many better ways. If you're arguing that crush foreshadowed this, I leave it open. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think. Um... I do like the outro, and I need to throw that in here quick. How beautiful is this life? How painful is this life? Oh, how beautiful is this life? How painful is this life? There's no, so but, much. But the way it's sung is very emotional, evocative of what they were trying to go for in this song, yet still at odds with the song itself. I loved it. Did I hear you correctly? That was the portion in English? That yeah, was, yeah, right. it was fully that English. That's right. Yeah, yeah. it was. Um, I, I think one Defines of the things... Defines it up, doesn't it? 
the things that's English, uh, one of the things that's interesting about this song compared to Crush and Come Back Home is that they're taking less risks in terms of what's going where. Yeah. The flow of the song doesn't feel as jarring. I think the risks are all in what's being layered on top of itself. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I agree with that. It, it, I guess it's sort of in retrospect, really my only problem with it is the style in which they chose, but I think they did the most with that style, all things said. Yeah. So. Speaking of style. <laughs> so we oh, go okay. from mental breakdown to happy. happy. Okay. <laughs> okay. First off, well, this is the part of the album where I'm going, no. <laughs> I did not like the transition. I did not like the direction. This felt completely shoehorned. It did not feel natural. Happy is a simple beat, a simple tempo, really, really... Oh God! I I I was so jarred. I was so out of the mood they were building. At well, this, this time, point. rather than citing theme in retrospect, let's say it right up front here. This is a track that is, of course, and this is again where you got to give some artistic leeway. The track itself is not just about happiness. Period. It's about wishing faux happiness upon the person that well, who's left you. Yeah. Yeah, it's super sarcastic. You know, like, super. I hope you're happy. Bitch. And, it, and it's exactly <laughs> the way, and the music reflects this perfectly when you really think about it. Right. Okay, yes, it's from, a, from genre perspective, it's not like, you know, we're, it's blowing our mind here, but just from the transition as it, as it came from, from mental breakdown, we go into this, and all of a sudden it's just like. It's bubblegum pop, essentially. You just yeah. go, you it's know. bubblegum pop, it's very upbeat, it wouldn't be out of place on a Taylor Swift album. Um, sure. But I think that the thing that keeps it. As part of the overall arc is the fact that it is incredibly sarcastic. Well, no, as a part of the overall theme, theme. it really is just dripping with a lot of irony, uh, comparing the music to the message. But the arc, it does so much to damage the arc for me musically. I mean, that's that's what I got to harp on, because they're forget about the, the 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 lessening of the risks they were taking in their music, lessening of the 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 risks they were taking in the layering. This just comes across as really cliche all said and done you mean you find the artistic choice a little bit cliche yes i mean it's even almost country yeah. at points i mean it's got a little bit of twang just in the vocal style well, that's mostly music, coming that's and the mostly... guitar style that just yeah. makes it feel a little bit too much that and you you start throwing it all together it's just pop like in a and a, a pedestal of pop. Pedal. There it is. A, ped <laughs> a pop pedestal that pop may very pedestal. well borrow from from that country twang. It's definitely there in the background. At first, the only uh, word I really could, like genre, I could really sum this up as was just light rock. You know, which is actually interesting because there really hadn't been any rock element anywhere on this album to date. And then I decided to go back to that. And the fact that there is that country twang in there perhaps is a little bit appropriate because a lot of country music is about being very sarcastic and kind of putting on this this face and singing about really miserable things. Um, so that could be a reason. I th The thing is, I see John's point, though. I see how this can come across as being a little bit tacky and cliche. I mean, we always go back and forth about how whether the artistic sensibility, the artistic justification is really justification enough, you know, when you're just not getting the musical punch. And I would never have known, and we always go back to this, I would never have known that artistic punch from music alone. The lyrics kind of have to tell you, and the lyrics tell you big time. There's very little subtlety here. Several instances, <laughs> at least in the version that I got, there is full-on caps in the por in the portions that are supposed to be quote-unquote sarcastic. Oh no, I didn't cry. <laughs> 
Oh, Even that's... if I hate someone, nothing changes since the end. The sadness over you. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> Whatever's in caps there is in English. Yes. Oh, that was that's interesting. That's, but that's, that's just funny because there. it comes across as being really sarcastic and uh, and and. Well, it's there for us. Well, no, I'm not happy, but I hope you're happy. <laughs> I mean, if that's coincidence, well, screw me. I think it's interesting that you guys are so jarred by the transition between mental breakdown and happy because I found it really jarring going from good to you to mental breakdown. Interesting. Because we were in this neighborhood of what I call grown folks music, <laughs> right? Or like like my mom would listen to it if it were in English. It's really like R and B and really like creamy and sexy and then we go like mentaru bunge it's like wow how did we get here you know what, what i i agree 100 with that and i think that was that was under <laughs> under referenced in the previous track i yeah. was jarred by that and i just kind of just dove into all the different components of that track alone <laughs> but that, that of course i i already talked up the previous two tracks you yeah, know 100 I, I, I think that's where this album was why did it pull me from that and now it's just going into yet another thing yeah i, I don't know for me i didn't feel that jarred between either of them mostly just because they'd already given us such a variety of stuff's like all right i'm along for the ride let's go let's yeah. see where we go well you have to you have to take it because i mean this album has already touched upon probably what eight different genres yeah. if you want to start start breaking it down this at least is parts of that's true and actually <laughs> and actually this is the first track that even leaves urban yeah, yeah, and this is Even the only urban. track that on this album that really, to me, sounds like K-pop. Um, like, I think in recent years, and I know definitely in the Korean pop that's reached America, K-pop is kind of associated with being really like heavily influenced by EDM. But I think a lot of what makes it onto the radio in Korea sounds like light rock. It's really, it's cute, it's bubbly, it's like happy, you know. And since this is one of the actual singles on this album... You have to have something that will sound radio friendly. Sure. Yeah. And, and it could just be serving that purpose, which is not a foreign purpose for a pop record. Um, I'll push it in just. I'll push it in this, this direction uh, that we're this artistic justification as we're, as we're <laughs> referring to. I mean, just a, one degree further, and that is the fact that that even the music itself does seem to take on a little bit more attitude, and this is in the vocals alone. Uh, as we move it like into the second verse, and that would be that moment where I said, "Oh no, I didn't cry, cry, cry." Even if I hate someone, nothing changes since it's the end. The sadness over you, bye, bye, bye. Since you need to be happy without me to be happy. I mean, oh excuse me. Since since you need to be without me to be happy. So when you're coming from this, I notice that her voice seems to capture a little bit more of the attitude than let's say we get back in Mental Breakdown. Just the voice, not the not the the chords themselves. They stay very very accessible. They just stay in the background there, just trucking along, being all happy like. But the voice itself, kind of does like. There's no, you can't even use the word sarcastic at this point. There's just a clear evident loss. Bitterness. Bitterness, better word. Yes, I do that sometimes. Sure. Uh, <laughs> yes. It's yeah, true. It does. It works. It does. Um, but yeah, no, it definitely that bitter. It's dripping with that bitterness, and I think that's what really saved the song for me. Again, musically, I thought it was okay. I feel like I could have heard this on any American radio station too. Sure. But it was that message and that part of the theme, thematic arc that kind of saved the theme, the theme that saved it for me. Whereas again, I understand John's complaints arc-wise musically, but because they jumped so many genres. Even though this was the largest departure, I was still kind of at this point on the roller coaster waiting for the drop. Like This I, is why we listen to albums. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, but from Happy, we do go back into something more similar to what we had been getting earlier on the record. The song Scream, which apparently also was a single, you said? Yeah, Scream was their single. Which is track eight. Yeah, um, track eight, Scream, was their single when they went into Japan. It was 
only released in Japanese. It came out like a year or two ago. It was a lot of fun. I really like the video. Um, <laughs> but I think it's interesting because when Korean pop bands go into Japan, they tend to try to tailor their work towards a Japanese audience, which means making everything really cutesy and bubblegummy and kawaii. Oh, this is, this is not kawaii. It is not. It's so not. It still sounds no. like them. The only part that sounds even remotely Japanese is after that bridge where they sing that one part that you really liked that I'm only remembering the lyrics in the Japanese version right now. <laughs> oh, wait. Yeah, well, I was actually just about to say, when you're considering, uh, you know, you keep talking about going over to that J Japanese style, and yet the funny thing is, from my very limited knowledge with Korean style, this was the only track that had actually reminded me of the only other Korean pop star I know, and that was Psy, and that occurred uh, right as soon as the first verse starts. I, it seems like if you were going to, as you said, define Japanese uh, or J-pop, as a lot of cutesy witsy stuff, very very fast, high tempo kind of high energy material. Then it seems like I'm getting again from my limited knowledge of K-pop, a, a lot more attitude. I yeah. think I think that it's 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 present there. I found it definitely, even if it was snarky in in size, big single Gangnam style, and I he heard it absolutely here in well, in this first verse, right that, after it goes through the whole scream. Ah, 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 stuff. Well, that comes from the kind of techno pop buzzy and bouncy feel that like I mean Gangnam style had, and it's very similar to that. I mean, and it's even it's in, vocally too. Um, uh, which is the member of the band who does the rapping? CL. CL ha takes a very kind of halting, spoken rap style, which is kind of how um, um, Sai had been singing on a lot of his tracks. So that's, I think, what pulled me to to hear that is that kind of similarity. And I mean, that could just be a K-pop influence, or it could be a direct influence from Sai. I mean, I feel like, but this, this track still has that bravado and that that confidence and that in your faceness that we've been getting the whole record when they wanted to bring that up. The, the, totally not a Psy influence. Okay. Like, I know we want to find Psy in gotcha. a lot of things because they're from the same country. They, they've sounded like this forever. Okay. Um, which is really cool because this is one of the songs that still really sounds like them where, like, Crush and Come Back Home and well, some of the was, earlier tracks are a little bit more moving forward. This was the only song where I noticed it. And uh, just to prove I'm not crazy, uh -huh. or, or or trying to apply you know comparisons where they might be oh, known. No, no. There was definitely I I just searched just out of curiosity to see if there was a reference or a callback to that song. And even if there wasn't a reference or a callback, somebody did do a mashup, a direct mashup between yeah. uh, Scream and it was called of course Gangnam Scream. You know, as if you could be any. I kind of really want to hear that. Yeah, no, I didn't actually push play. <laughs> yeah, I just said, hey, this proves my point. Great. <laughs> well. Let's start talking. I from am a right theme. Com. <laughs> Let's start talking from a theme point of view because I want to point out that for all the disparity that we've had in the last few tracks, Scream does a great job of propelling the story forward. Because with Mental Breakdown, we had trying to hide it. Happy is sort of hiding the pain that happened when everything fell apart and trying to move on. Scream is he's back. I love this idea. I love what they do with this idea. You wanted to leave me before and now you're coming back to me? What do you want from me? Why do you keep calling me honey? I can't hear you. Stop butting in. I take care of my own thing. I'm in control. All right. No, 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 no. This guy's not going to get in easy. I mean, he's already done something wrong. He's pretty it's, out it's, of it. He's, he's, there's, there's, this is, this is that attitude. And I think that's why the EDM's back. 
This is that attitude, but this is the attitude now directed. There's a little bit more anger involved in here, not just with the scream, ah, 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 just in the inflection, in the vocal work itself. That little bit of rage that's pushing through, I really, really enjoy. I like that showing up here because it, it's, uh, it's righteous in this case. Yeah, I kind of wish this would enter the vernacular for like referring to rebounds or, or, or relapses rather. <laughs> and we could say like something like, no, 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 man, he's, he's three tracks deep. He's not getting back with her. <laughs> I, mean, I think it would actually think, cover yeah, the point. We should make that a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is now. It is now. Kind of want to turn to the camera. <gasps> Fourth wall. No, I'm not going to break it. <laughs> what camera, Steve? Oh, we don't have a cameraman. Shout out to Fernando. What? What? <laughs> anyway, um, moving forward. So, I mean, also with Scream, though, I, I kind of just like the the power again. We get that cockiness that was in in the first track. Yeah, and... like I was saying. Yeah, but it, it's that little bit. It's that little hit she's got going on. Yeah, there. that little bit of rage that's there. I love that. It's another aspect of this band that we're seeing. It's another aspect of the emotion they're allowed to put in or able to put in without needing English. It's just the fact that you, this is transcending just understanding the words to just understanding the vocals. That's really enjoyable about it. You know, there was another track that we that we listened to sometime recently, and I, it evades me at this point, but it almost covered the same exact theme, that that more solidified, like, no, he's, you know, he's definitely not coming back into my life kind of thing. And it surrounded the same stuff. Bring it on, don't stop the music, turn it up, DJ, turn up the volume, just zone yourself out into, into, sure, it's kind of a denial, but at the same time, it's also kind of what you need to do to move on. Yeah. And there was something we had listened to recently, I, I, I can't, I can't I'm blanking on it, but... call it, but that it's, it's clearly a, a repeated theme in the annals of music. It's not like we don't listen to a lot of music on this show, all things it considered. Happens, 40 plus albums. We have been called crazy for doing it, what yeah. we do on several occasions by yeah, several hard. people. I forget things. I, I get things mixed uh, up. Several different yes, fans. I mean, the fact mm -hmm. that you can even remember who's been on one episode, like, are you kidding? Yeah. I still claim that by we've the time... We've had musicians. Oh, I remember what it was. And by the way, that was episode 122. You just jogged my memory by mentioning numbers, and then the number got me to it. <laughs> it was different. It was a little bit... This is a bit of a, an extension, but it, was, um, it wasn't a matter of actually getting back together. It was actually a matter of dealing with death. And that was, of course, TV and the radio. Oh, yeah. Seeds. That's, yes, um, that's right. Which dealt, of course, with the death of their bassist. And there were many tracks on it that referred to simply just staying in the club, you know, playing music that... Music will get you through this, but at the same time, just not thinking about it will get you through this. Will get you over the person's death. And of course, relating death to a relationship breaking up is not a very far way to go as far as lyrics have been presented in, again, the annals I'm, of music. I'm yeah. pretty so, sure I'm pretty sure uh, poets have been doing that for quite some time. If pretty I'm, sure. Probably going back at, at least 2,000 years. And then the emo, they stepped it up, really. I'm dead inside. <laughs> yes, there <laughs> the we go. Emo. So the dead. emo. <laughs> Um, umbrella. The, the emo. You couldn't possibly sound older if you wanted to. Anyway, I think oh. this is a good point to move on to our second to last track. Track nine, which is Baby I Miss You. Um, and this is where we kind of go back. And I was, this was the first time on the whole album I was kind of thrown for a loop, only because I didn't think we'd revisit it because it was so perfect in its contained spot. Hmm. But we go back to that kind of 90s R&B feel, which we got in track uh, four and five. And more of the 70s, but sure. Okay. But, but yeah, you know. But it was the still thing. The, the R&B sound, though, as a whole, and what was kind of weird to me is that we went back to it only because, I don't know, on a whole of this track, I feel like didn't accomplish anything that those songs didn't already accomplish. And even though we've had moments of that on the album, of going back to themes that we'd already had, I just felt like this was kind of a revisit of something that was kind of well-contained. From a theme point of view, from the story aspect that's being built here, 
uh, while I'm not really a fan of where this story goes, um, <laughs> from a personal point of view, it's appropriate for what the song is saying. Because okay. she's taking him back into her life. And while I'm going, no, don't do it. He was an asshole to begin with. Because um, John's very invested in the drama. Well, there's drama. <laughs> Forget you. I like a good love story. And I love a better tragedy. Here, it fits with what is going on. It really does. From a thematic point of view, choosing this music here fits where they're taking the next chapter of this story. That being well, said, we have sweet, we have smooth, but there's not a lot of standout-ish parts. This feels like it's it's following a very simple R&B formula. I'm gonna go the exact opposite way as you on this. Only because. <laughs> because, <laughs> well, because he he's, can. Because, because I can. Because I have. And he will. And yeah. I will. Alright. First of all, I think one of the one of the things that you're missing is, first of all, there is a big key element here that was not really uh, promoted in earlier portions of this album. It is musical. I'm not even really thinking about theme. Frankly, I don't even really want to think about theme here because you say it fits. Sure, it fits. It fits the pattern, but I don't think we really need to pander to our listeners at this point and, and tell them the, the direction of this story here. It's kind of, it, it's pretty straightforward. Really, when we get to this point, I'm more focused on the music. I'm focused on the keyboard work in the background. I found it sexy as hell. It was not present earlier on, and I feel like it's taking on more roles here. It's not just that, that light piano in the background that I referred to earlier as being benign. This is not benign. It's taking on every role. It's the comping, primary comp comping instrument, but it's also the bass. It is the bass. There's a single bass line going in the lower portion of the keyboard while the comping is going on, on the right hand. Usually, it, comping would probably be shifted to just the mid-range in the piano, and then you'd have the dedicated bassist performing that role. Kind of all over the place here, and I found it to be a pretty impressive case of, uh, of, of background work that I haven't really seen shine in this album yet. Well, also, that saying it that way also actually brings to a point that I'd made to John off the air about how this album kind of really brings home that scatterbrained feel you might feel be after having a mental breakdown kind of being all over the place and jumping from kind of thing to thing in these couple of tracks kind of supports that kind of scatterbrainedness of dealing with a mental breakdown even more so than that I find that kind of uh, this is a little abstract but I find it more you're in, a little in, abstract I am the piano oscillation work because of course the brand of, of electric piano you're working with here is that is that that, that it, that sort of old school, it's, it's not terribly modern, it's been around since the early 90s. Again, I think this throws it back 100% in the, in the area you were talking about. Yeah. When I, for instance, before when you compared it to, episode, uh, to tracks 4 and 5, it was because I mentioned it's 70s. You know, you mentioned that was 90s. Well, I think those tracks were really more in the 70s, but you were right to pin this track down as 90s. Keyboard was all over 90s R&B. I think it's what made it the sort of smooth uh, sex music that many people used it as. Like, yeah, I'm going to play it in the background while I'm doing it, and that's going to be really, really deep. But you said doing it. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know what my phrasing here is. What's our censor work? No, that's right. I'm the censor, huh? But I don't know. There's something about this just just made it more lively in that, and and it threw me back to to a place I hadn't been in a long time. I haven't heard a lot of '90s R&B. I think it's too fresh in 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 the consciousness right now to bring it back as a reference. So everyone wants to bro go back previously to the '70s because no, that's where it was at for the for the older, more more nostalgic generation. But you know what? Millennials are starting to get nostalgic. <laughs> I I was about to say, how old are you? Just give me a range. Just a range. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Just tell oh, you oh, the age, he's, right? He's Come a baby. On. I'm gonna be 27 uh, this month. Okay, yeah. He's, yeah. He's a baby. So while you are a baby, okay, ish. No, we're this, we're about the same age. No. Um, I'm old. 
Shut I know. They're, they're, the old, they're the old farts. So actually, so, they have a more vivid memory of the '90s R&B. Yeah. I heard it. I heard it after after the fact. Well, I mean, almost 27. You were still kind of there. You know, you're born 80. 887 yeah so you were still kind of in the 90s we're a little bit too old to find the 90s cool but <laughs> people who are well people who I'm are selective. buying cds or now looking at the 90s and 90s fashion as being really interesting and really like nostalgic like how we looked at the 80s or yeah. Uh, well, 70s. believe me, if you're an earlier episode of this podcast, we've had way too much '80s nostalgia. Frankly, I think I think it's run its course about this point. It's, yeah. I, and far as I'm concerned, it's not it's not long enough ago to really be immersing it uh, into do a full-on retro thing. If you want to make occasional callbacks, sure, but I don't know. I think it's defining entire bands' direction at this point, which I find a little bit redundant. Well, that's because of the 30-year rule, and this is actually a thing. So don't call me out on it. A 30-year rule never. is that when a person hits about the age of 35 to 40, they remember okay. nostalgically about what they were listening to when they were 5, 10 years old, or what they were playing with 5, 10 years old. Mm-hmm. You see it in hobbies, you see it in toys, you see it in reading material, in movies. When you hit that cusp of, well, that guy is now grown up, he's now got his kids. That woman, well, she's now she's you know having twins or something like that. They want to give their children the same thing they had growing up. 30-year rule. That's why the 80s is making somewhat of a big comeback in a lot of areas over the last five years or so. It's just going to happen. This has been happening for, I don't know, forever. It's going to keep going on. I think the 80s is actually kind of dead as having a resurgence. I think that the 90s was happening. you've listened to some of the albums we've listened to. I'm looking at more of like a marketing and fashion standpoint. Kids are interested in the 90s. Fashion, yes. Fashion pushed it a little bit too quickly, and this is something that we could talk about off the air. Okay. uh, Because (laughs) I deal with this a lot in my line of business. But when it comes to a lot of the materials that it, it really boils down to what parents are getting their kids. Yeah. That that's just going to keep happening. Fashion is not something of what parents are going to get their kids. Mm. That's the one thing that's well, why things tend to revisit a little bit quicker. Uh, it depends. But, but yeah, you're right. Well, I think this is a fascinating digression. But also, oh, I do want to. I do want to. Well, no, I. I <laughs> but I can connect this digression this. to the song itself. I have just one more, one connection if, well, uh, on my own, it. if I may, and that's only because well, if you go back to just uh, I think. The whole reason you, why, you, why you brought that up is, of course, age is very important when you consider these factors and what's nostalgic and what's not. And when I cited, you know, the, the R&B music as being kind of the, that sort of like rich sexual vibe that you might actually play on in the background, it wasn't because I was a nine-year-old, like, getting it on in, like, no, 90, no. 96. It was more because, you know, they released a lot of these albums that was, like, mu- music to have sex to. And they released so much of that, like, in those in that mid-90s period. It seemed, it, it seems like this is kind of in that vein. I'm not saying that's the intent, but you know what? It fits. It fits well. In the end, the keyboard can be a pretty sexy instrument. Well, it also fits because the song is called Baby I Miss You. The title, the emotion is nostalgic already, so why shouldn't the music be nostalgic too? I think that's a, the biggest reason why it was chosen. Absolutely, which why it comes back to, I'm not hating on this track in, in, by any means. I think this this is a case of taste. So all those instances were saying, well, you know, the 80s have been there, done that with that. I think a lot of times that it's not always a case of taste there. It's a case of pure nostalgia without reason. Right. And so if we go back to, to your 30-year rule, you know, that's not the kind of thing that should necessarily govern art, but it may happen incidentally. I'm more referring to cases in which it's very apt. Okay. Right yep. here. Bingo. 
Bingo, bango. Play it again. <laughs> the final track of this record is kind of a bonus track. Um, it's not marketed as much, but this is how I figure what. No, no, I'm going to argue that right away. It's not a bonus track. It is a callback, yet a reinvention it's of a the reprise. album. It's a reprise. No, it's a callback, yet reinvention of the theme work of the entire album. Come oh. back home. It's a version. It's the it acoustic version. It's the acoustic version of track two, but at this point, it is reimagining the story from what we had earlier on. It is reintroducing the two characters coming back together. That's why it's a reprise. But by making it acoustic, by taking a different slant on it musically, it's showing a different attempt at this same relationship. Because, well, with Baby I Miss You, it is the protagonist talking to the missed one to come to say, well, yeah, I'm not quite there yet. That was part of the lyric work. I'm not quite there yet, but I do still love you. I do still want you to be with me. Come back home is that acceptance point of, all right, now it's time. Let's try this again. And thematically great. This is, this is a pop album that has a great story to it. Well, I have no hate for this track at all. I mean, no, it's no, no. gorgeous. This, oh, well, you got the piano works back. The acoustic the end, is back. I, the I, strings I, are back. I love that. I definitely probably prefer this version, I think, to the first. Um, it kind of had this... It takes us in another direction, of course. We kind of go in more of like an indie coffee shop atmosphere. You know, you get that acoustic guitar on stage. It's a lot more personal as, as a result. Well, because it took something that was emotional in the, the first version, but with some goofiness, too. It makes it more sincere this time around. It's more heartfelt. <laughs> I have a reasoning for that. It's because when... Uh, I'm going to get really metaphorical on this or deep or whatever and just start spouting. No, you're not. It is... <laughs> they've learned from the mistakes. So now you're not getting the goofy or the kind of... You're not getting that EMD... Uh, EDM, excuse me. Or the hip-hop or anything like that that kind of became part of the problem in the relationship that was being explained here. This is a simpler version. They know what's going to happen because it already kind of happened. They have learned from the mistakes. There is growth as an individual here. There's growth in both the relationship and from the person itself. And then, of course, there's also... I mean, I agree with all that. And then, of course, there's also the fact that this seems to, like, sum up the situation in a way. And, of course, you have to look at the way that you're doing that musically. And the piano, you mentioned the, the piano the swells the sw the string swells oh, they the occur strings. they occur sparsely at first in the very beginning of this track they just sort of step in there you know here and there they 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 fill out the track as color and then later on it sort of becomes the whole gamut it's everything in the background and of course when you're when your entire track is is uh is sort of slathered with strings it's it's a perfect way to kind of make your story grand as it were um, I am not going to use the word epic, but it at least is a grant. That's what they, a lot of tracks did that back in the 70s. That was essentially rock and roll's escape from simply being rock and roll was offering more instruments. And of course, what they did with 70s R&B, you throw in strings in the background, all of a sudden, it's not just a ditty. It's not just a song. It is a ballad. It is, it is a story unto itself. It is a theatrical, uh, immersion essentially. And in, that may seem like a long way to go for this album, but they encapsulate the entire story that occurred with this final track. So it seems like a perfect callback. And it concludes the album very well. It's a nice it's a nice wrap up for especially the way John's framing it. It kind of does pull the whole album together and kind of has it's an ending. It's a punctuation yeah. mark. The funny thing is that they also managed to keep both ends alive. They keep the 
the, the grand strings, they also really never sacrifice that acoustic guitar, which has these little like acoustic ditties interspersed, you know, rather than just like the block chords that you would expect with yeah. every uh, with every you know indie coffee shop environment. But th- instead, it's 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 is really tasteful. I, I appreciate the way they blended it together. So yeah, shall we begin our wrap up? Who wants, who wants to go first? Well, Kita goes last because she's the guest. I'm gonna vote Steve. All right. Oh, but I just talked. Got to break it up. All right. So then, John. Yeah. <laughs> ah, yeah, I love being on the spot. Democracy. Okay. <laughs> Theme versus arc. This is a discussion we've had a lot of times. And while musically as a whole, there's a lot going on here. I like that. That's why I can't really call it just pop, K-pop, or anything like that. This band is not one thing. That's very appreciative. They get across, they, they destroy the language barrier. That's a great thing. The very fact that you can just go right through it. I mean, we've had other issues where, whether or not there's there, there's lyrics there, but just trying to get emotive feels from bands when you don't know what they're saying on the nose. When you start seeing like Sigaross, when we get Boards of Canada, when we get uh, Scale the Summit, these are bands that, well, you didn't, they couldn't tell us the story. In this case, they, they didn't really tell us the whole story. We had to glean a lot of this stuff, and looking back at the lyrics, we got a lot of the story that's going on there. There's no tracks in here that are really just bad. There's no tracks where I'm really bored. Everything is catchy in its own way. But when you get from the first five tracks versus the last five tracks, the first five tracks had a unified arc musically, but that similarity was a little bit to to their their pain from 6 to 10 you have a, a disparaging amount of music going on here that really is not quite as related as the first half I mean it really starts going across the board and that was a bit of a problem as well so it, it's both sides of the same coin while you got the first half is flowing great and the second half is flowing not at all in both cases it's it's got its issues to it that really does hurt the arc for me. Hurts the overall song sound for me. But the theme is so strong. It's so present, and I've rated so much lesser pieces on 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 theme work. This is a really solid album. I bet short. It is. A, I got to point that one out. It is about, a short album. About too, thirty-four minutes or something. Which means that nothing really overstays its welcome. Um, that's something that we actually, I guess, didn't mention. Nothing was really just long or draggy or anything like that. Everything seemed just nice and concise. Um, nothing was was too big or to try too hard. Four. It's a solid four-star album. It doesn't break any boundaries, but it really does add a lot to what's going on. It does add a lot to what it's trying to say. It it does have a story there that I just really enjoyed, even though I want to point out some characters made some long moves. Um, <laughs> but there's really, it's not pushing any boundaries, it's not breaking any walls, it's just doing a lot with the material it was given. Uh, you make some valid points. I think, especially on, on the point of arc, I appreciate this album for what it's doing thematically, I guess I'll mention that first. When you get back to arc, yes, there is a little bit of a problem in this. I, I think you could have cut out some Deadwood in this album, and I, that's, I think, one of the, the big problems I have here. I appreciate the story of, of course, coming to terms with loss and having the prolonged aftermath following a relationship. 
it's not really a new theme, you're not breaking ground here, but I think they do it in tasteful ways. Perhaps the one problem, though, though is I think, they, I think they drag out the concept a little further. I think I wanted to see more, more sides, more aspects of this post-relationship environment, wondering what's happening to them. They did a pretty good job with the denial stuff, but there's a lot of back and forth here, a lot of ping-ponging, and then sometimes there seems to be repetition of the ping-pong, like they're stating the same concept, but again, in a different way, perhaps utilizing the music in a different way to support that. Uh, I think that's going to hurt it a little bit for me, because, you know, you want to learn something almost about about the about the relationship itself about the state of just human interactions you want to kind of be a little bit more enlightened by it and i feel this is just telling a very innocent story and that of a diary and there's nothing wrong with that i just kind of wish they went the extra mile there's nothing really new being presented here in turn another not another facet let's say of those interactions and still it's a lot of that you know hurt loss withdrawal a little bit of denial longing again. I don't know. This is just not, this is not getting me on a fundamental level here. Um, you know, not by comparison, of course, to some of the other works in which we've listened to, which tackle the same exact subject, but tackled some perhaps unmentioned uh, uh, facets. So that makes me go to music. I really do appreciate the way they implemented music. They, implement, they implemented music in this album for their purposes and for that theme that I just mentioned. Um, Granted, the arc might have, you know, fallen short a little bit. I think they did the absolute best that they that they could have in those in those instances toward the end portion of the album here. But uh, you know, this also that that core problem of of theme itself, which is going to prevent that I think from reaching real heights. So that leaves me with just <laughs> musical innovation, and unfortunately, I think that was my biggest problem yet. Is that I that's the thing that's going to hold me back from the four territory. I think implementation was excellent, but innovation was was. A little bit at a loss. I love the reference material. It, it's, it's intriguing and it's still nice to listen to in many instances. But it's not. That's not really going to push, push, me forward with that band. And I don't. I don't know how it's going to really affect that band itself. People will go to this band. They'll be anchored for those basic themes themselves, or just for their energy, or actually more in this case more their attitude. But from the musical side of things. I don't know. I just I want a more defined 21. I want them to develop their sound. I don't have it here. That's the biggest problem, and I I, I think that that forces me to kind of leave it at a 375. I want I was originally going to leave it at just just shy of four, but personality is important, and personality I think is just what's what's leaving this a little bit out. All things said, that's still even a little bit above average because of how they implement their their already very diverse and very knowledgeable uh, origins. Um, I mean, a lot of points have kind of been said already. There's not much to say. I will have to, of course, make mention that I'm going to rate it a little higher because I did emotionally connect to a lot of tracks on this record. I didn't emotionally connect through and through like I did, say, with our own Palettes or Future Islands, you know, whereas that album, track after track, I found something that I latched onto. There were moments here where I kind of let go and kind of just enjoyed the music, but there wasn't really an emotional connection, and that's not a bad thing either. Um, but as a whole, there's obviously a ton of emotion in this record, whether it be just cocky in your face, whether it be very sweet and romantic or disparate and, and miserable and depressing or conflicted or, you know, even the musical embodiment of a mental breakdown, which we've never quite had before. And it kind of really did work. Like that song and the post songs after it 
felt like a mental breakdown. Like, it really did feel kind of scattered and confused and not sure what you want. And that's why arriving at that last track kind of sur- surmised, like, wrapped up the whole album. I'll give you that. John that said. that yeah. may have been the one, the one facet that I was searching for. That, that definitely was present. That was interesting. And so for me, on an emotional arc level, for sure, and an emotion, uh, emotional theme, too, which is not necessarily independent of the music arc and theme, although it can be, I, I really did connect it and I got it. I think that 21, who I pr- call 2NE1 because I'm an idiot. <laughs> well, um, no, you're, you're reading it. I was reading it. Yeah. Um, we all did it. It's fine. <laughs> but um, I, I really think there was stuff to, to, to get and to, to latch on to. And that really bolsters this record. But that said, there is st- a lot of stuff here I've heard before. And we cited the stuff we'd heard before. And I believe that this band is capable of innovation and they're working towards that it really sounds like they're kind of working out what they want i think the reason it's so schizophrenic is because they don't know what they want to do especially in american market or maybe even in the korean market they're trying to figure out where they want to be so they're like well we're really good at a lot of this stuff so here here's a lot of stuff (laughs) and i respect that because at least they're showcasing a talent they have they're not going here's a lot of stuff that's average a lot of it was really good so, for me, this album is closer to John's rating, but not quite John's rating. I think that it's I think it's a 3.9. I think it's where Steve originally said he thought he might put it. For me, because I got that extra emotional connection that I tend to rate very heavily on. And it really brought me there. And I'm actually really intrigued to hear what else they do. Plus, the, the half-hour runtime was really important for this record. I feel like if it was too long, it would have been grating. But because they kind of get to the point and move on you were able to enjoy and consume. And that's what I really liked about it. I didn't have to sit with it too long. As a pop record, it showed up, did what it wanted to, and moved on. And I appreciate that. So that's where it sits for me, 3.9. Solid. Keto? Are we still out of 10? No. No, out of 5. 5. 5. Out of 5. I'm not that horrible. I am not a horrible person. Out of 5. Okay. Um... I really like this album. I really like this band. I'm super partial. Um, I... I really appreciate that you guys see a thematic arch in here because when I listen to this album, I kind of just associate it with an album of songs that all could be singles and probably would be singles. Um, For very different bands. For For very different albums in some cases. (laughs) Maybe, but for this band, I don't know. I feel like they all make sense based on what they've done already and where I feel like they're going as a band. Um... I'm going to throw it a 4.5. I think it's a solid 4.5 as someone who's a fan of this kind of music. And she also has more experience with the backlog, which we have no experience with. So well, that can add to it, too. This is only their sophomore album. They've, they've got two they EPs have, and they two have albums. A, yeah, exactly. They're, they're a band that does mini albums. So this is longer than most of their other work. We try to say sometimes that it's not always... Uh, it's it's not always wise to bring in to bring in discography into a rating, and it's more like rating against the pantheon of music. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, we all know that we've occasionally been guilty of of rating something against its di- discography, either higher or yeah, lower. Whether you yeah. feel Green it's day. really like moving forward. Green Day is your example, <laughs> and my my recent example was just the aforementioned TV on the radio. Scenes. Mine was the Foo yeah. Fighters. What's followed that? So. E- even just looking at this on its own, though. Although I guess I can't, because when I look at this, I look at it against other Korean pop music. And I feel like as a whole, K-pop is kind of about being a little bit superficial and just being really fun and dancy and happy. Um, 
I think that this has a lot more substance both musically and thematically than most K-pop. So if I'm looking at it from just that aspect, then it's it's a really solid album. Yeah, no, that's and I think I think that's 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 a good explanation and it's well deserved that you should bump up the the average that it'll be. Yeah, yeah, because right. we don't know K-pop that well. Nope, <laughs> nope. That's fair. Right. <laughs> it's a little shallow. From here, we're actually going to go into a topic that Kita had suggested to me online. Um, we're, we'll get to the stuff she's doing because I know you guys are chomping at the bit to know what Kita's up to, and we are too. But first, we want to have a little topic and include the guest because we haven't really done that as much. Usually, we use the time to do an interview, but you've heard an interview. Go back to episode uh, 45. So, if you want to hear an interview with Kita Saints here. Um, but you had mentioned something when we were talking on Facebook of what you might want to discuss today. Yeah, um, I think it's really interesting to look at 21 and especially look at 21's leader, CL, who's gearing up for an American debut, um, and basically just talk about the presence of Korean pop music in America. Um, I know that the the main person that people look at when they think K-pop now is Psy and Gundam Style. Um, <laughs> Which I still maintain is a really fun song. I love that song. But it's a fun song at the same time. I think it, it, it opened the American audience up to the concept that there was a K-pop. Which yeah. is sad. Of course there was music there. Of course they'd been doing stuff. But none of it really did make it to the States until him. Yeah. Um, which is crazy because it's not like people haven't tried. Um, <laughs> I think that a lot of the times when you look at Asian popular music... Um, or at least this part of Asia, you look at Korea and you look at Japan kind of as being really not the same, but blended together well. They're just a sea apart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, entirely different cultures. Though. They're, they are entirely different cultures, but they have influenced each other a lot. Yeah. And that there there is a lot of presence of Japanese music in Korea and a lot of Korean music in Japan. Um, they talk. They talk, you know, they like... They're not like, you can't sit with us. Um, but Separate water fountains. <laughs> oh, dark. Oh, God. <laughs> that choice of words. Um, but yeah, really, I feel like Psy is not the best representation of Korean pop music. He is really interesting, and I feel like musically he has a lot in common with other bands like 21 and like Girls' Generation. But he is not what I think of when I think of K-pop. Well, one of the... Uh, I do have to mention, of course, considering that Matt was uh, a big promoter of Psy back when he first came, came, came out. And I think, I think you even credit yourself sometimes as being a little bit instrumental, perhaps, in, well, in, in, I in don't, I don't, certain circles' development. I don't think I was a promoter for Psy. I liked the song and I thought it was catchy. But really, the reason I think Psy gained such ground in the States is because we're a YouTube country. And his video was chock full of ridiculous shit. And that was what I was getting to. I mean, first of all, you spread it around. You made awareness. I did a and song shot about it one back of the main, in the day. One of the main reasons for it wasn't just because, oh, it's K-pop. Let's bring this into the mix. No, it was because it was a very absurd video. And then on top of it, it was about this fairly, you know, average kind of dopey looking guy getting up there being like steeping himself in like this gangster uh, facade. And... <laughs> It's pretty ridiculous. I mean, granted, like a lot of parody music has been done kind of in that vein, but when you when you add the the Co Korean surrealism onto the mix, it made for a very interesting animal. Well, what I also liked about Psy as an artist was usually a lot of pop musicians are skinny, pretty, 
Yeah. Fair skin. He was not skinny. He was a little heavier. He was. He looked like an average dude that you'd hang out with at a bar. Like he didn't look like a chiseled Superman physique. And I thought that was very interesting. And but he acted like he could run with any of those guys. He and, brought it. Yeah, yeah, essentially, and that's what I think really latched me to that. Um, but now after hearing Twenty One, I think that he's just an aspect of that. But he's also very familiar to to this country. I mean, we have a lot of music similar to size in this country as well. And I think that the, the reason 21 probably found a lot of ground in an American audience is for all the things we talked about when reviewing the album. The fact that they have such a variety and they've steeped themselves in some very American sounds, which I mean are elsewhere too, but like especially the R&B stuff was so particular to this country in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Doing that kind of sound is probably what also gave them some headway here with that album. Well, it started off as just being very identifiable. And I don't know what that says really if if American or at least uh, Western influencing uh, modern day uh, Eastern music or if Eastern music is just picking and choosing what it's coming from. But it, it's, it was a little, I guess, comforting at the same time a little bit disturbing to see this, the, the clear-cut similarities between what uh, uh, what's done here and what's done inside and what I've already come to expect from a lot of R&B a lot of J uh, a lot of pop in general of the United States and Europe it, it it feels like there's just a little bit too much everything's getting mixed together going on here well, it, it's almost like yeah you can call things J-pop or K-pop but I've it's almost I've been exposed to enough of it to not really be able to tell the difference other than knowing its country of origin. Well, I think we, we already outlined one difference. Of course, a lot of that, I believe, is um, is J-pop's affinity toward being a little bit more upbeat, a little bit more up-tempo, a little bit more manic. Um, and at the same time, that whole, like, kawaii thing. <laughs> I mean, there's just there seems to be this, this energy in, in J-pop that I find to be a little bit underplayed and perhaps replaced by attitude and I think I found that similarity in just uh in just Psy and and this album of course we we're looking at two samples but I think what the main thing is that when we're talking about what reaches the American audience the question is well what is the American audience looking for um what is the western audience and the broad looking for and I think they're obviously looking for a personality someone you can just identify immediately that you don't have to search for and then beyond that, they're looking for something that's a little bit over the top. And it doesn't matter in which way it's over the top, as long as it is over the top, and as long as people recognize it. Because if it's over the top, then it is distinctive, and then people will go back to it, and they'll share it to their friends. And in many, case, in many cases, I think this does come across as being a little bit flighty, because we're dealing with, you know, a populace that is very easily enthralled, and then also very quick to forget. So that whole 15 minutes of fame concept steps into it. And I actually uh, heard this, I think, reasoned out from a pretty interesting source recently. There was this documentary I was watching. It's on Netflix. I mean, you can watch it. It's called uh, An Odyssey of Film. It's a very fascinating, like, laid-out argument or, or just analysis of the history of film. And it's all around the world. It's not just in the West. It's also in the East. Um, various different areas of, of the world sort of building this art in, in their separate uh, in their separate ways. And they came across, at least he addressed the fact that American cinema, which is of course probably the most 
widely recognized anywhere you go and became so popular was because of that same exact fact is because they were looking for something that was over the top and that would enthrall so then you get like 1920s silent cinema that in many cases looked at stories that were very romanticized very over the top the acting would be over the top and sometimes it was a little bit tacky at least we would look back at some of it today as being tacky granted of course this is just hollywood right but then when you have all these other you know in indie directors coming up i called them indie directors back back then they were just like intellectuals that wanted the art to be something greater and they stepped in to push themes and concepts that were not as in your face right and this did tend to to blossom in various other ways in, in other areas of the world and in areas outside Hollywood, even still here in the States, but outside Hollywood than it did in Hollywood. But unfortunately, Hollywood was what got popularized and that pushed it into the mainstream and that became global. So there is, there is that, that, that magnetic attraction to just being out there and over the top. Understated themes are not so welcomed globally. And I think that might be one reason why all we get from Korean pop music lately, as far as our two samples are concerned, fit that bill. I think also it comes to the fact that it's not just K-pop that does that. I feel like any any music that's come from overseas has that kind of in-your-face. I mean, I mentioned them earlier, but when, when Rammstein or Rammstein or however they're pronounced came here, all of their songs were either over-the-top, very heavy, like think of Du Hast, very simple lyrics, but very yeah. over-the-top, heavy drums in your face. Or think about the videos like America, which I reviewed ages ago. At, uh, you know, they sang in broken English, but the video was very goofy and over the top. It's, you know, or their uh, video for Links One Two Three had CG ants and like ants marching and just like these ridiculous imagery. Even their live show was flamethrowers and fake penises that spewed water over the audience. <laughs> like so over the top, but it gave them this lore almost, this appeal, this aura. That was hard to ignore because they were so ridiculous. Well, I mean, there's there's other bands. Actually, one band that I've mentioned a very long time ago, probably last February, March, if I'm not mistaken, um, that formed because one guy had an idea of fusing two different things that had never been done before. And it is a manufactured band. The Japanese metal idol group of baby metal. Oh, can we? <laughs> okay, I assume you've heard them. Tell us. Um. Okay, so my opinion of baby metal is like I I do like baby metal's music. Like, uh, give me Choco, super cute, right? And like, I get them. They remind me of a remix project that was popular in the early aughts called Evil Morning which took um, music from Morning Musume, which is like the nation's idols. They're, they used to be Japan's biggest idol group. They've been around for 15 years. They kind of like the Japanese Minuto, only a girl band, but like they graduate members regularly. Um, in the early aughts, somebody would take their songs, singles, album songs, B-sides, whatever, and would mix them with elements of metal. And basically what you got is what baby metal is now. So I listen to baby metal and sometimes I'll, I'll play it along with Evil Morning songs and they'll be the exact same song. And I'm like, this is genius because finally someone's making money on it. But this is totally a Morning Loose Mess song from 2001. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. That's one of the reasons I didn't bring the actual album on the other was I... <laughs> 
uh, at the at the long and short of it, I really didn't enjoy it as a whole. Well, then you cross um, into different areas because, of course, you know we keep saying the word over the top, over the top, over the top. But there also is a limitation to that. Whereas things need to be a little bit tailored, like. You know, going back to the, the, that example I was bringing up before, of course, there was a lot of censorship going on in the 20s and 30s. So, like, when the Hayes Code came around, well, they couldn't show the same things that, for instance, the French were doing in their cinema, which was pretty racy. Um, but then, you know, we fast forward to modern society. I think American audiences tend to be a little bit more a little bit more uh, down-to-earth, at the same time more open to, to being, uh, um, to being eh, edgy. But... But abstract, that's a different territory. And from what I'm hearing, from your description of baby metal, it sounds pretty abstract. I don't, I don't know that you know, it's that it's pretty. It's pretty solid. It's I mean, straightforward, yeah. Some of their oh, stuff okay. is, is literally bouncing between J-pop and metal, like that's, on a dime. Yeah, that's basically oh, all okay. it is, is J-pop vocals on metal sounds. And, like, if it were a guy taking the same lyrical content but growling it, it would be Duran Gray. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Well, that seems digestible enough. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Only instead of being like, it's like... <laughs> it's, it's, it's kawaii. I feel like I'd have to hear it to know, but, you know, okay, it, it's, we'll, the kinda, we'll it's the kind of thing that, that could cross that line, of course, as we're talking about, you know, what really makes it and what doesn't, especially here in, in, in our audience. It's like, eh. Well, I think I also feel I like... I do think there's a line there. I feel like also with, with like, 21 and Psy specifically, also the time is right now because we're really in this stage where accessibility is so high with the internet and with YouTube and with Spotify. I mean... We need to we, weed it down. <laughs> well, but that's what I'm saying. Because accessibility is so high, like, if you're going to break into the States, now is the time to do it. Because... All you need to be on Spotify is a physical pressed album. If you have a physical pressed album, you can be on Spotify. It doesn't matter how popular you are, how many people know about you. None of that matters. You just need a album on CD Baby or a physically pressed album. You can send them and you're on. And so, you know, it makes perfect sense for these markets to attack the, the, the state's market now. I mean... I imagine there are other bands you listen to that are K-pop besides Psy and yeah, and, the, and, I think and Twenty One. The interesting thing that's happening right now, um, CL, the leader of Twenty One, like we were talking about before, she speaks perfect English. She's beautiful. She does really palatable music. She also knows French uh, and Japanese as she, well. She also knows French and Japanese. Her Japanese is a little funny to me, <laughs> but that you know, like she speaks it fine um she's she's worked with people who are big names in america and the fact that she's gearing up for an album in the states kind of places her in a better position than a group like girls generation who tried to break out in the states really recently um they were on letterman they were on regis not regis kelly and michael yeah yeah <laughs> is that what it is yeah. <laughs> remember regis um but yeah like they they performed in the states they're this beautiful like eight girl perfectly polished similar like edm inspired pop music um and a few of their members speak perfect english also but they just never really caught on here um well, that's why you got to go back. I mean, according to what Matt said, it's, it's not just simply a matter, and only in very specific instances is a matter of just, you know, well, putting your album on Spotify and sending it out there, hoping it, hoping for the best as it reaches the States. But it's, it's, it's I think, more a question of ambition from what you said about, about CL. It's, it's uh, that sounds like she's been at this for a while and that she's really, you know, 
playing her cards well, putting herself out there in many different places. And I, I heard flat out that, uh, you know, that her work with um, with with Twenty One was like held as as I think the best concert somewhere out in the Meadowlands, like the best concert of the year. That's that's some that's some cred, you know. Yeah. To your you're going to after you get that kind of cred, of course you're going to be cross promoted and just by just about everyone. Um, but you know, if you just are a little bit short of the mark, or if you're just not as interested, frankly, there is. I don't think it's every band's goal to be like popular in the United States. For instance, things that might not make it here might just be bands that are comfortable in being, you know, the biggest in their own country. No. Well, it's also funny because you don't always know what you'll influence. Like band members that we've yeah. had on this podcast, um, um, members of the Wasties are in a band called the Rose West, which is kind of a prog rock band. They're very heavy, but really melodic. Um, they're actually apparently really popular in Brazil to the point where Alex, their drummer and also the drummer for the Wasties, every time they get a new fan on Facebook, he checks out where they're from and immediately sees that they're from Brazil and gets angry. <laughs> because it's not here and they can't get to Brazil. Yeah. But they apparently have a pretty big following there, which is just interesting because you don't... So, so here, the trajectory for 21 in America seems pretty obvious. Whether it was or not, it does make sense. Sure. But also, influences and or reach sometimes doesn't make sense. It's just that right one person finding your stuff well, and then spreading the word. We're really popular in Dallas and Wales. Apparently. Yep. Oh, so. the Welsh love you guys. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Yeah. They, <laughs> we reviewed a Welsh prog band back in episode 51, not too long after you came on. And that was, uh, yeah. <laughs> we were hit. They, they, they actually discovered the fact that we reviewed them. That's happened only in four instances in our podcast careers when bands <laughs> actually have stepped forward to say, you know, I really like what you said about my album. And, and even regardless of the things you perhaps didn't like, we appreciate the measured response, which is our ultimate goal. And we hope most bands would take it that way. But, you know, again, a lot of this is still short in the dark kind of, short in the dark kind of stuff. Like, that's the same way bands work, and that's the same way they're discovered. And then you have that one stray person halfway across the world who just happened to stumble across your page through whatever Google, <laughs> you know, machinations there are. And from there on, the, the rest is history. Or that may very well be history, and that guy will die, and that's it. Wow, that was depressing. Yeah, yeah. He, that took a turn. Yeah, he likes to bring I, it back I, down. I thought about being he builds, positive. And then he I builds it up, like, builds it up, brings it back just, down. I that's feel it. like we went to nationwide territory <laughs> just now. That was intense. Um, all in all, though, I think that it's always interesting to try and kind of... To, uh, to see where these bands are coming from or where they're going. And, and I, I am actually honestly very interested to see the career trajectory of 21. I think that they've got a lot of talent and they've got some interesting ideas. And I'm curious what... Uh, CL's solo record will be like because honestly I, I mean I love Dumbfounded I had mentioned him earlier and I love his Korean rap style I don't know if that's a general or if it's more Americanized but I liked his and since she's very hip hop influenced I'm actually very excited to hear her solo work I believe his is pretty Americanized I think yeah. he's he's, yeah. he's lived here in America yeah. like almost his entire life so you know but I, I mean he is still like he has presence in the whole K-pop world, you know. They don't. They don't look at him as oh, that's just some American guy. He's still like sure. Well, I think like possibly rapper. that was done. You know, in that case, it's probably done like family or fr family friend connections. You know, yeah. it's very possible. Um, either that, or of course, any any um, culture is usually happy to see like, hey, one of ours got popular over there. <laughs> <Let's>, you know, <laughs> cross-linked. Yeah. But I, I just I think it's kind of always cool to kind of take a moment and kind of. Take, take a step back and, and look at these bands that are coming here and realizing, oh, yeah, there's a thing. What is that thing? And, and sometimes it can actually very much change. I just want to mm -hmm. point out, we're kind of passe about the whole Brits coming over here, too, now. 
Well, we now still it's... get a huge amount of British bands coming to America. What do you want? A third British invasion? <laughs> we had a second. Sure. Yeah. I, I didn't even think, frankly, yeah. I didn't think the first one stopped. <laughs> well, they call it because it was seemed to be like a little bit, a little bit uh, stifled. Um, uh, like the first British invasion, obviously was in the '60s, but it, eh, it seemed to be a little bit less in the '70s. I guess theoretically, punk? you could throw in punk as yeah. But I think I think that Spice Girls and the whole pop there was like an extension of that because I don't think it really stopped from there on. No, uh, um, except think... maybe in the early 2000s. I don't know. Eh, no, no, no. Um, uh, what's it called? This is pure guesswork, and you should know that. Two tone. <laughs> two tone. Oh yeah, that's true. Don't forget two tone. What did two tone do? That's like the last person I would think of if I was gonna reference. No, no, not a... person. Um. Why am I blanking on a, I'm blanking on a word. Artist. Uh, uh, Genre? No, two-tone ska. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, I have yeah. no idea what you're talking about. Okay. Ska, dude. Ska. Oh, I know, I know ska, ska but in... we once had this discussion. This was back in episode 36 with Joe Root. We talked about ska. He went into a big rant about ska and all the different uh, sub-genres there are. I know when to simply call quits and say I, I, I call ignorance. I just, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about, but our, our, our audience will love to hear. And that's why we have guests, after all. Um, I'm going to take this opportunity to, that, to now move on from our topic and ask Kita a bit about what you've been working on since we've last spoken to you. I know that you're planning, you've, you for a while took a more producer kind of role. You'd been performing less for a while. Um, although you're back to performing now, you have been performing again. Um, what, so what have you been working on since the last time we spoke to you? Um... So I'm going to start with the smaller things, I guess. I'm taking a lot of classes and trying to learn a lot of things, which is part of the reason why I took about a year off. Um, so I'm studying sear wheel, which is a big metal circus apparatus. You spin around. Um, it's a floor thing. It's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free to YouTube sear wheel. Um, Spell that. <laughs> C-Y-R, like my last name. Oh, okay. And wheel. So did you develop it? No, no. Somebody named Daniel Sear developed it, and it was just a Amazing coincidence. coincidence. Yeah. Um, wow. Actually, I was trying to choose between the Sear wheel and the German wheel, and I googled Sear wheel pinup and only found pictures of myself. Talk, I'm like, <laughs> talk about like chance happenings and yeah. developing popularity. You haven't made in the shade if you master the Sear wheel. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really giving it my all, but damn, it's hard. <laughs> I'm also learning how to eat fire. Nelson Lugo's teaching me. That's pretty cool. cool. Um, cool. It's a lot of fun. Aside from that, in terms of producing, um, I'm hosting a monthly show on the last Saturday of every month called Wits End. It's a jazz party. There is no burlesque. It's all jazz, live jazz bands. Um, at 8.30, we have a dance lesson. And then all night, there's live jazz. On February, I believe it's the 28th, the last Saturday of February, Dandy Wellington and his band will be on, which is really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. A um, lot of dancing, Prohibition era cocktails. It was oh, it, the I'm venue. There. It's Flute Midtown, and it was an actual speakeasy in the 20s, which is really cool. Mae West used to hang out there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> fun, fun little name drop. Um, and aside from that, I am producing my very first burlesque festival. <laughs> well yeah um it's in atlantic city it's atlantic city burlesque festival i can't talk about a lot of details yet but they will be forthcoming and it's gonna be really cool it's in a really cool venue and we have some really cool performers that are talking about showing up and headlining and i can't say anything so these 
this 84 episode hiatus has not been, you know, a dead calm for you. I've just been doing stuff. I'm it sounds like a lot of stuff. I'm doing a lot of stuff. Cool Because planning a wedding isn't enough, apparently. I need to plan a burlesque festival, too. <laughs> no. It's a lot of stuff. It's too much stuff. No. I'm tired. Some people got to do the laundry. You got that. I got to eat you. fire and do a burlesque festival. And balance on a wheel. And balance on a wheel. Well, I spin in the wheel. Yeah, it looks dizzying. It's, it's I looked fun. it up just now yeah. on my tablet. It's it, it. Honestly, I'd get motion sick. It's really fun. It, it looks like it could be yeah. fun, but I'd get motion sick. You, too much upside no, down. No, no. It's the only time that I've ever felt ill while doing it was when I tried to rehearse while hungover and uh, then I've never done that again. Uh, yeah. It's uh, done great things for my drinking. <laughs> <laughs> um, and on top of this, you mentioned eat fire like you just learned a new stretch move or something like that. Oh yeah, I learned how to eat fire. From, fire from yeah. friend of the podcast, Nelson Lugo. Yeah. So um, that's pretty cool. That's really cool, yeah. And he's a great teacher, too. Yeah, so. seems like he would be. Yeah. He's uh, in the midst of his run of uh, Gathering the Magic. Shea for the Dark Lord's actually performing as his opening act soon, I believe, in the coming weeks. Um, I think it's on the 7th? Yeah. Yeah. And then also, um, friends of the podcast, Eli August and the Abandoned Buildings are also opening for... <gasps> for um, Nelson Lugo for a few shows, which is cool. Check um, out episode 72 if you want to hear him talk at length about the development of the early stages of Gathering Magic. Um, I guess this is a great place to transition to our fan mail of the week. We have another one, except this time we got Crash Chords' first ever hate mail. If you want to hear a fun song about hate mail, look up Shea for the Dark Lord's H-Mail, which features Cool Z, both people who have been guests of various podcasts. Um... They do a great song, Schaefer pretty much writing hate mail to himself as a character. Um, but we got legit hate mail on our Avid Brothers podcast episode. Take it away, Steve. Yes, well, that was back in episode number 22. Um, it was early on. You know, we hadn't refined the system yet, so we're open to critiques, but I don't think we all expected this critique. This is from Eli Chiati. You f***ing assholes need to learn what the f*** some of the songs are about. You little pussies just talk and talk, blah, blah, blah. The Avet Brothers are a very good band with high religion, and they have a lot of fans. You need to stuff a dick in your mouth and shut up and actually listen to the words and the songs for once. Oh, and one more thing. You are the two gayest pieces of shit in the world, you cunts. Wow. To which I simply responded, well done. One, there are three of us. Two, number of fans doesn't equal quality. Three, expletives don't equal a valid opinion. Four, gay bashing invalidates all arguments. Have a nice day. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Knocked him over. Um, I think I thought it was important to read this on the air this week, mostly because, A, you're not making it on the internet if someone doesn't crap all over what you love. True. But beyond that, um, I think it's important to acknowledge that the internet sucks most of the time. And what I mean by that is... There are a lot of crappy people who, because they're having a bad day, their girlfriend or boyfriend cheated on them, or their dog pissed on their foot, they take <laughs> it out on you. And I've actually heard a lot of other podcasters talk about this. Um, I've gone to my podcast guru a few times on the show, Chris Hardwick. He talked about how he used to get buried in the negative comments. He'd get 100 compliments and one negative comment and then focus on that and freak out. And I, we do that because as humans, we're insecure. But the reality is... You shouldn't let anyone invalidate your art, and also anyone who can't form a cohesive sentence also shouldn't invalidate your art. Okay, I believe spelling, I punctuation, believe grammar, and con okay, spelling, grammar, punctuation, and the inability to take off caps locks at times—that 
is the four signs of the troll, and we had all four in this one. Well, and blatant homophobia, I think. Also. Yes, that, that's blatant. You could be not a troll and still be homophobic. That is a possibility. <laughs> is it? <laughs> I'm not saying it's valid in either case. But we just tend to lump it together. Yeah, well, I mean, they but, could be separate. But, but I think it's also important to note that, you know, look, if we'd gotten a comment saying that we had missed something or that we really didn't understand the arc, like, if there were valid arguments of why we were shitty, great. I, I am the first to, I see, this is the thing. I, of course, I wouldn't dwell on this sort of thing, but, you know, considering we really do care about what we do, and it's been a long time getting to the point uh, where we're at right now, you know, I'm the first to admit there are definite things that I would have changed about our earlier episodes. There are things we should have talked about where we may have le been lax or left out. It was a slow, gradual process of realizing what you know what you really have to do in order to treat an album with with thoroughness and and, and fairness. And we are still getting to that point, and we may never fully be at that point. It is uh, sort of the asymptotic relationship of yeah. your labor of love. If we were perfect, we'd be done. That's what it boils down to. I mean, if we did yeah, a perfect then, podcast, then this would be over. And yeah, here, why? like, welcome to the annals of the internet. Just, you know, <laughs> we're off to another project. So, you know, I thought, it, but but all in all, I thought it was important to read just because we're open to valid opinions and, and, and actual explanations. If you think that we're not doing something right or doing an album an injustice, tell us. Articulate it. Don't just tell us we're idiots and we should suck dicks. That's not, that's like saying Nickelback sucks because they're gay. No, Nickelback sucks because they write the same song over and over again. That's why they suck. <laughs> Valid opinions make more sense when you have opinions and reasons behind it. There's a reason also we do this for two hours at, at a time, because I don't believe you can really sum up, uh, despite what Twitter would have you believe, I don't believe you can, you can uh, project the best opinion on a matter in, you know, certain amount of characters. 144 characters or 450 words or maybe an email or something like that. I mean, yeah. no. If, no. you, if you're passionate, elaborate. That, yeah, that's that's something I really respect personally. But, uh, but I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, um, I believe it was Eli. Yes. Eli Chad. Thank you for the laugh. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was I good. Appreciate no, actually, and I even appreciate this more than many others, and we were talking about this way too long, but still, I appreciate this more than our previous, as we said, we've always had a, a segment called Spam Mail, which is from bots. So frankly, I'd love to get just hate mail from a human being as opposed to a, a great job from a bot. <laughs> yeah, that's true, because at least there was some idiot behind that keyboard. That's right. Um, uh, at this point, we'll start to wrap up. Wrap up, wrap up. Um, next week is my pick, um, and I'm very excited because a band that I've liked since the 90s, but they've grown and changed since the 90s, is a band called Guster. Um, one of their most well-known songs was uh, Fa Fa Fa, Elevator Song, and Barrel of a Gun, which I'm blanking the album it was from. It came in, out in the 90s. They have a brand new album called Evermotion, which has been promoted heavily online um, and I am very excited to hear it. I listened to the opening track, got so excited that I decided I want to bring it on the podcast. So we'll one be taking those. that one of those. We'll be taking it on next week. So that's Evermotion by Guster. Um, if you haven't heard the back catalog, check it out. I really like it. It's got some great stuff. Um, we have our Fe we're into February at this point. Um, Keto was a week late due to the non-blizzard we had. But um, our February guest is going to be Painless Parker is making a return, so another return guest. And uh, we're excited for that. He's already got his album picked and hopefully his topic picked, too. Ooh. Um, so as we close this week's episode, I would love, Kita, if you would do our sign-off again, like yes. you did last time. No, I'm not going to mess it up this time. <laughs> <laughs> Music is life, and life is good. 
If you enjoyed this and other album analyses, topics, and guests, please subscribe to the Crash Chords Podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. For more media, also subscribe to Matt's one-on-one interview series, Crash Chords Autographs. To receive emails on all new content, subscribe at the top of our homepage. Also receive updates by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. And remember, keep the discussion going, because music is life, and life is good. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to share them in the comment board below each post. Otherwise, email us directly at admin at crashchords.com.